welcome to the show. We bought a mic, but GarageBand is free. We bought a mic. We bought a microphone. We bought a mic. We bought a microphone. We bought a mic. We bought a microphone. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Hello. Hi. We have a, a a nice female voice in here today to yeah. s- to spice things up. Instead of the I'm sorry for all the people who listen just for the sound of Hunter's voice. But, <laughs> but he's gone. Yeah, yeah. You you you'd think Hunter is a good singer until you he starts to reach that falsetto and then you're like yeah. <laughs> wow, I like the like just ripping Hunter. Yeah, just straight off the bat. I don't know. I mean, I, whenever I'm not on the podcast, I don't listen to you guys' fucking episodes. So well, hopefully he's the Hunter. Same. Hunter's <laughs> watching Mission Impossible for like the eleventh time right now. So we just need to send him as much positive energy as we can. I yeah, it's okay. Yeah, we're good. Well, welcome to the show. Um, I am Ernest Calderon. Hey, what's up? I'm Drew Dietzen. <laughs> and, and I'm join- back. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. And dude. I'm not rusty at all. <laughs> And joining <laughs> us today is my very, very lovely sister, Camilla. Hi. Hey. I'd like to thank my uh, five years of vocal training to lead me up to that moment to wow. sing this intro with you guys. Yeah. It's all been leading I've up to this. i my peak in life. That's the only reason we had you on. I, <laughs> yeah, you I can know. go now. Bye. We heard what about, about your resume. What about the Instagram <laughs> shout out? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, yeah. Stay long enough for the Insta. Should I take my headshot with me, too? Yeah, yeah. It's like a large <laughs> you pile. really you autograph them too. That's really weird. <laughs> I'm not gonna buy those. Yeah, we, there's no cameras around. Nobody's seeing this. It's all it's all Wait, audio. I did my hair and makeup for nothing. Oh, sorry about that. Wow, you listened uh, to the podcast too, and you just never never went through yeah, your head. Yeah, so you're really a, like you're a big fan, aren't you? I would say I am the biggest fan. The the biggest wabammer. I'm. I um am cur- I, no one can see this, but I'm currently wearing Wabam sweatpants. Wabam yeah, we hoodies. didn't even make those. And we don't hat. offer merch. Yeah, and I'm also holding a pretend mic next to this real mic. Wow. Oh wow. You know, I bet there's actually some radio station in like Kansas called WBAM <laughs> that we can find merch for, so we don't have to make our own. That's you know? actually a great idea. Okay. Let's, um, let's do that. So today on the show, we're talking the new, the first Bo Burnham film, Eighth Grade. Uh, and a bunch of stuff that we've been watching, listening, and uh, just overall consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about Drew's big city adventure. Yeah. <gasps> Tell me about it. <laughs> what, what did I do? I don't know. Uh, you Hopped went off the plane. Yeah, at, at uh, um, JFK, Newark, N- NWA, yeah, and, Newark, yeah, something like that. The cheapest flights. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> it's a horrible airport. Yeah, so I went to the the big old windy apple, New York City. Uh, I spent five days there. I did a lot of a lot of content stuff there. Like mm. I was I was mostly. You know, local content, or as I call it, live shows. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I I went there. My girlfriend Allison's brother, Matt, uh, lives there. Matt Harden. Shout out to Matt. Yeah, really, really big shout out. He was a great host. He's in the comedy scene over there. Um, Isn't everyone who lives there in the comedy scene? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) SNL someday, bro. I'm I'm this close, man. I know a guy. He's a PA. (laughs) Um but yeah, so I went to four comedy shows while I was there in five nights. Um, 
and two of them were mats and they were really great like it was just like tiny like one was like an improv show and it was great there were a bunch of different teams performing and then the other was a sketch show that him and his whole team wrote the whole thing and these were just in like brooklyn bars that had also like stages and stuff and it was the coolest like scene in the world it was so like i've been in new york before and done all the tourist stuff with my family but this this was a lot you know more special like it's always it was, so much better when you don't have to take a ferry to see the <laughs> statue of liberty yeah exactly i've done it right and i didn't like it then so i don't need to do it again <laughs> Right, exactly. Um, but yeah, we went to those shows. We went to the Comedy Cellar, which you guys I'm went so to. Jealous. No. Right? We tried. Oh so yeah, you here's couldn't the stitch. You're so, not 21. So I'm not 21, and our brother Mauricio, shouts out to Mauricio, is also not 21. So we tried to. Well, he is now, but not when he we. He was went. not at the time. Yeah. I don't know my siblings' ages, so don't <laughs> ask me again. Um, <laughs> um, they're all, we're all evenly spaced out. I still don't know their ages. Um, but we rushed Mike Berbiglia, and we were <laughs> literally in the front of the line. And I thought it was an 18 over, but it was 21 over. Yeah, because you got to you got to buy drinks. Mm-hmm. It's part of the. Thing. I was like, I'll pay the cover fee and everything. <laughs> like I'll I'll pay you, and they still said no. Wow, that's that's pretty wild. Well, actually, apparently the seller will let under 21 people in if, if you, get you parental permission beforehand. Yeah, like way beforehand. Yeah. And we didn't do that and we, we thought rushed. that we'd be like, "Hey man, I'm just a really big fan of Mike Berbiglia. Can you just make this I exception?" Begged. No. I was like, "I will pay you a large sum of money to get in." Uh, yeah. Um so but yeah, so we I did these two other shows and they were really really funny. Met a bunch of really funny people. And then we go to the cellar. It's a whole other thing. It was it was the funniest show I've ever been to, period, in my life. Like I've seen my heroes perform comedy and this was funnier than that. Because nice. it's awesome. because it's all about the setting. Like yeah, the it was, room. It's in like yeah, it's in this little like underground uh comedy club. And the cellar is like the you've seen it on like TV, like it's the yeah. one that you go to in New yeah. York. Um that's the one that, you know, all the like Aziz and all the famous people will drop yeah. just drop in like Chappelle. Chappelle. Yeah. Uh, I heard a story from a, a Matt's friend that like they went and they didn't like there was no one on the lineup that anyone knows of. And then Chappelle drops in and then he does like 30 minutes and then he's like, come on, come on. And some guy in the front row is like, no, no, no. And then he goes up and it was Chris Rock. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and then they're, they just do like two hours just chatting with each other. Jeez. And then they're like, hey, come on, come on. And this other guy's like, no, 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 no. And then he gets up there and it was John Mayer. What? <laughs> he, yeah. And he just does music for like another hour. <laughs> do John and Chris Rock like hang out? Yeah, I guess they're all, you know, they're bros. They all, <laughs> they all fit in together. They were all Jeez. in the scene at the same time, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's the type of place the seller is. No one famous showed up while I was there, and it was still the funniest show I've ever seen in my life. That's it awesome. was it was a bunch of people you recognize from like crashing on HBO with Pete Holmes. Yeah. Like they're featured on that show a lot, mm-hmm. but I don't even remember their names. It was just an like live comedy is so you're just like hey that guy yeah and if and if you saw a special of theirs you probably wouldn't laugh half as hard. It's all about where it is at. Right. You know, it was a small club, and they it's all about working the room. Like, an auditorium shows are great for specials, but they're not this good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was great. And then I went to an interesting uh, improv show at the UCB Theater. Um, nice. And it, it's... I forget what it's called, but it's this... Is that the one that was, like, uh, having trouble staying open? I don't know. Wait, what, no, the UCB? UCB is huge. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I heard something about a UCB theater. Like well, the- they were closing one because it was gross. Okay. But this was the one in Hell's Kitchen. There's a few now. And this was a long-running show uh, kind of created by Scott Adsit of 30 Rock, uh, Pete Hornberger, the bald guy. And he was in the show. 
Um, so I got to see him, and the premise of it was uh, they have trained actors that are like semi-famous. It's two, it's a series of two-person scenes, and the actor will come out, and the actor knows their entire side of a real script, and then an improviser comes out, and they don't know any of the script oh, that's at all. Awesome. Yeah, so it's this little, uh, it's like a two-way improv thing because the improviser is just talking and talking, and then the actor has to decide when to say their next line to make it make sense. And it was like, it was the most interesting thing I've ever nice. seen. That's super cool. Um, then I went to Panorama Festival for a day. Oh yeah, yeah. The so, Killers. Yeah, I saw the Killers. They were the big uh, headliner that night, and they they did really good. Um, I've heard mixed things about their live shows, but I've always wanted to see them. I've, they're they're kind of like near the top of my list they, of bands I have yet to see. They yeah, they did a great job. It was mostly Brandon Flowers. He mm. like people. If people say that their music is doing a Springsteen impression, then they need to see them live and watch him literally do a Springsteen impression <laughs> for two hours. I thought you were going to be like, they need to no. see them live and prove themselves wrong. No, they're, they're dead right. Because, <laughs> yeah, he was he was running around doing all crazy stuff. He got like... Was, he, was he born to run around? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to move on. And, uh, Out. <laughs> um and he like it's really crazy brendan flowers because he had like a really depressive like area around like 2008 and he like tried to kill himself he he's got these veneers in his teeth now and he looks like fucking tom cruise up there he looks so different um and you yeah he was like super happy they had something i wish a lot of bands did more is they had a kid come up and do the drums for reasons unknown because mm -hmm. like he he had like a t-shirt on he had, his whole family had t-shirts like team steven or whatever and so he went up there and he killed it and that was great oh. um saw david byrne from the talking heads dude weird so jealous show. if you get a chance to see him weirdest show i've ever seen he had 10 band members None of them were playing sitting instruments. Like even they had, there were four different drummers with individual drums. Oh my god! And they were all like wearing a marching band. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they were all wearing gray suits and barefoot. And they were all <laughs> running around the stage like dancing, choreographed while playing instruments the whole show. Yeah, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. This was in New York. Yeah, yeah, it was on uh, Randall's Island. So, oh, cool. So yeah, like you take a subway down to Harlem and then you walk across this bridge. Um, and yeah, it was it was a really it, the festival itself was pretty lame. It was one of those festivals where like they hire a corporate company to provide all the trippy shit, you know. <laughs> and that was really lame. like HP was giving uh, you this like weird light show, and it was not actually trippy. Yeah. Um, but it was worth the the money. Yeah, cool show. Saw the XX. They oh, were very good. Yeah. Um, and Rex Orange County. That was the other one. Nice. Uh, if you don't know this, this is a guy that. You might know from your Spotify Discover. <laughs> um, he's this really dweeby, skinny British kid, and he has an incredible voice. And King Cruel-esque? Yeah, except like pop. Oh. Like King Cruel, oh. but like pop rock. And it's almost like a classic throwback. I really like the dude. It was it was fun. Cool. Skinny pride, you know. Well, anything else from the from the trip? Skinny pride. Yeah. <laughs> Skinny kings representing. Any any good food? Any <laughs> any weird homeless people? Absolutely. Yeah, what's the best food? This is a pop culture podcast. <laughs> Wait, just talk about the food. Um let's see. Screw the homeless. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I'm just yeah, let me tell you my favorite hobo I'm stories. I'm about to get kicked off this podcast. Um you know what's weird? Oh, my my boss. I work at a Japanese place, and my boss recommended this like authentic Japanese ramen place in Manhattan. It was like one of the best meals I've ever had. Nice. Like we went in there, 
everyone else in there was Japanese, so you knew it was going to be good. Oh, that's when you know. Yeah, and they weren't speaking English. And, like, it had the authentic Japanese restaurant experience where, like, six different people would take your order and, like, help you with stuff. And whenever they took an order from you, they would just immediately, like, take one step from your table and then just fucking scream it. <laughs> like, there was no writing down. You should have just screamed it. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, but, yeah, that was that was really good. Last nice. time the whole family went to New York, um, we went to the, we stayed in chinatown yeah and we went to this chinese place and like all we asked of my mom was to just not talk for like the <laughs> whole time we were ordering <laughs> we were like just don't say anything because it was it was authentic like there were only chinese people in there well, yeah there, there and, were a few a few touristy looking people it looked like new yorker like rich new yorkers who like okay knew okay you know <laughs> um so and like we were just like, just just don't speak and of course like a suit oh the whole menu is in mandarin so like as soon as the waiter like came up we were trying to like decipher this menu and my mom just starts asking all these questions and we were like Shh. yeah this and then, dude could barely speak yeah speak he English. was writing the the like order down in mandarin Damn. and um and then we like get our food and my and we only had chopsticks and i was like mom please don't ask for a fork i was like mom please don't ask for a fork and she starts trying to use the chopsticks and she's like screw it and she's like can i get a fork and i think we were like almost kicked out it was so sad it was but funny it was, we love you mom i'm so proud of her but that was the i don't think we're ever going back to like a chinese restaurant yeah she was like kind of struggling the one, whole time one time i i went to chinatown when i was like 16 uh with my parents and this lady, she walks up because they're trying to give you like fake watches and stuff. And this, Always. Yeah, this lady like runs up to my dad. She's like, you like Rolex? You like Rolex? And he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, I like it. And she's like, okay, come with me. And oh, he, no, and, dad. And, and, well, he was just like really quietly. He was just like, no, thank you. And then she followed us for three blocks. Mm-hmm. And my and I kept telling my dad, hey, look, that lady is following us. <laughs> Tell her to stop. And he was like, she's not following us. That's just some lady. You're being racist or something. <laughs> And I was like, no, that's the way. And then three blocks later, a van pulls up and she runs up to my dad. She's like, okay, get in, get in. (laughs) And I haven't seen him since. (laughs) If if anyone knows where Drew's dad is. He's peddling. That that happened to me in the eighth grade when I was. In the what? In the. Should I say? Well, no. We're not trying to Are transition. We skipping just yet. We're skipping everything else. I'm skipping, skipping this whole podcast. Okay. No, when I was in the eighth grade, I went to New York on the classic white people eighth grade field trip to New York. Yeah. And um, uh, you had to hold onto each other's the, shoulders and walk in a straight I line. Wish. And all the high schoolers were taking photos of us. No. Um, but we uh, got the the teachers that were on like our chaperones were very in with the um chinese mafia and like had contacts so they were like we've contacted them that we are on our way and willing to spend money um they literally told us this on the bus so we got to chinatown and um i really wanted a michael kors like a fake michael kors purse and so i asked my chaperone to help me and so she went up to this lady and the lady was like follow me and she was like whatever you do don't leave my side and we went (laughs) we walked probably like two or three blocks away from like the rest of the group into this like sketchy store in the back and they're like they're like show us your cash so i was literally 14 i like showed my cash and so she was like you're allowed to go back and there was like a group of girls and some of them weren't buying anything and they're like if you're not buying anything you're not allowed so me and my chaperone like went in the back she pulled out these like drawers and she was like pick and and (laughs) did you get something yes i spent 70 dollars and i felt so pressured hell yeah i mean 
That's the experience. But you though. know what? It's I still own both of those items and they're in good condition. Exactly. So wow. That's it was, surprising. It was actually. extremely terrifying. And I was surprised that my chaperones actually let me do that. So That's really sketchy. I love public yeah. school systems. You know Fourth. who you know who also owns a fake Michael Kors purse? Sir Patrick, Patrick Stewart. Stewart. Patrick Stewart owns a fake Michael Kors purse? No, I was just trying to transition to the next thing. But oh. yeah, we have news. Well, I'm glad I spoiled that for you. That was really good, man. You're getting better. I got to read these notes. We have news that Sir Patrick Stewart is coming back to reprise his role as Jean-Luc Picard. Jean-Luc. On uh, a new Star Trek show on CBS All Access. So, you know, this is huge, huge news. But I'm not really that into Star Trek, so I can't really speak too much into it. But you've been I just, watching the show, no? Well, I've been watching Star Trek Discovery, Different which is show. the newest iteration of Star Trek. But you never watched uh, TNG? I've seen clips, but I've never watched through it. So this, this makes me want to go back and try to get into it, because I've heard, I've heard nothing but amazing things about The Next Generation. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of uh, Patty Stews, but... I'd never seen no Star yeah. Treks. So he's coming back. Um, I'm not going to talk like that to, for the rest of the podcast. To, to CBS All Access. So this is kind of CBS being like, hey, guys, so Please. we couldn't get you to sign up for All Access with a new Star <laughs> Trek show. But can we get you to sign up with Sir Patrick Stewart? So this is their big play. Here. Hard, hard maybe. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'll probably do what I did with Discovery is sign up for the free trial. Once, like, a lot of episodes are out, like, wait for, like, most of the season to be out. So then I only, I get the free trial, and then I only have to pay for, like, one month, maybe two, and then cancel it. Oh, I love maybe. it. I don't, I don't even want to go through that trouble. <laughs> I mooch off Fuck with my CB. friend Nate for his CBS All Access Pass. Oh, oh for what? For the good fight? No, for Big Brother live feeds. Oh, I forgot shout about out that. Shout out to Nate. This is your shout out. You're so if you're brother. actually listening, you're listening now. So you're an After Darker. You're you're a fly on the wall, oh, as they yeah. say. So yeah. Sometimes I, I wake up in the middle of the night just to watch. <laughs> I can't That's sleep. Sad. I need to know yeah. who's fucking. Yeah, you see him like dry humping under sheets. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. So oh God, not that. not too much to talk about this. Just uh, Picard is back, and we'll see what comes of it. I'm um, so excited. Let's get into a little bit of Camilla's pod corner. Pew, 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 pew. What's uh what's going on over in your pod corner, Kami? Okay, so I don't listen to music. Um, just kind of gave up on that. That's <laughs> fucked. Well, well, you listen you listen to show tunes, right? Not even that anymore. Oh, I just well, I'll listen to uh, an album. Like I went to see Come From Away a few months ago, and I listened to that f- for like three weeks after I saw it, and then I was like, okay, I feel fulfilled, and then I stopped. Okay. Um. But I do listen to a lot of podcasts, so I figured since uh, this is my moment to shine, I'm going to shout out some of my favorite pods. Some rapid fire <laughs> recommendations. Yes. So, um, I so see, I see, we bought a mic on there. Um, yeah. So there's just really good podcasts. Uh, okay. I've been listening to. No, I'm just kidding. That, but I do that love. That fulfills Wima. your obligation. I do. <laughs> Thank you and goodbye. <laughs> um, so some of my favorite ones. Uh. uh Anna Ferris is unqualified. It's a good one. Uh, I listen to that at the gym 
because I feel like it's a self-improvement podcast. Does she, so. does she talk about her divorce to Chris Pratt No, at all? and it's always hanging in the air. Why won't she talk <laughs> about it? I don't know. It seems like a horrible thing happening in their lives. It seems like she should use it to better her like podcast yeah. and to make it a part of her like advice relationship advice giving, but it's like unspoken. Damn. But she has some great guests on there. Manzukis. Yeah, every single every single guest she's ever had is really yeah. great. So. Also, Eric Andre was on mm-hmm. there at one point, and he sabotaged the show. He, yes, he really did. Because he he when he was giving advice, oh, it's the funniest thing. You need to listen to that. Yeah, episode. he the whole point of the show is to like have callers like voice their concerns with their relationships and get Anna to like give advice, mm-hmm. but she's unqualified. So that's right. like the whole point of it. And Eric Andre. Oh my god. She was like, "Okay, so, you know, every time we have a guest, we want the guest to also engage in the in <laughs> yeah. the advice giving." And Eric Andre was giving the worst, worst advice. advice. Like he terrible. He wanted to like sabotage. Yeah. It. He wanted to just be funny, <laughs> so and funny. she had to continually be like to tell the person listening like, "Okay, ignore everything he just said." Damn. <laughs> Yeah. I'm interested now. It's it's really good. I mean, it's definitely one that you can just mindlessly True. listen to. Do you do you think that Anna Ferris got a divorce to seem more unqualified? <gasps> she was like, I can't be well, in a stable relationship. No, the the For divorce the, the divorce is just because Chris Pratt doesn't spend enough time in LA. Right. Because he's always in Atlanta shooting movies. Really? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, Good he's Lord. Part of the Props to Atlanta. Stuff. Atlanta's Honestly. caused a divorce with that tax credit they got for movie shooting. <laughs> he's always on his um, on his Instagram. He's always posting shit about some farm that he lives on. He he bought this like huge property and he's like, he was raising livestock and like. Glad he's farming. raising livestock because he's not raising his son. Damn. <laughs> Love okay. Jack though, so proud of him. Um, okay, next. Uh, <laughs> you know this is a my current obsession because I don't listen to music anymore. So this is a good like, I'm still listening to something musical. Is the Off Book podcast, the improvised musical podcast? Mm. I've heard this is a really cool um, podcast. It is part of the Earwolf family. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh baby, ow. So my favorite podcast, if you're uh wanting to get into it but don't really know which one to start because there are a lot of them um it's called shawshank redemption with demi adijuibe oh i love him i love him too he's wait one of the, he has a podcast he has several well, podcasts. yeah he so has he, his own called punch he, up the jam he originated the gilmore guys podcast which him and uh another guy whose name is doesn't come to my mind right now um they went through every single gilmore girls episode I've and talked about that. it i've heard yeah. of that um i watched it when the like the netflix season came out and i listened mm. to it through that and it was amazing so can you can you say demi's last name again a you said it wrong the first time you said it and i i, I think i, say I wrong texted every time I or say called it. Ernest about it and was like <laughs> drew said it wrong damn he is Shit. a great twitter follow yeah. and he really his, is also his letterbox profile is yeah, Gucci. great vines too. So yeah. that brings me to his podcast, which you just mentioned, Punch Up the Jam. Yeah, that's a funny um, one. Which he does with uh do you remember Anthony Padilla of Smosh? Oh boy. His girlfriend <laughs> flashback. His girlfriend is uh Demi's Mi- co host. Miel is dating Miel Anthony Padilla at, at Miel Monster. <laughs> what in the fuck? He can't say any of these names right. Miel. Fuck Miel. <laughs> Miel. Miel. <laughs> I'm Neil. So th- in that show, they uh, review songs. They go through a whole song line by line and kind of tear it apart. Yeah. And then they will do a punch up where they will redo the song. And it's 
hilarious. Yeah, they nice. did the national anthem so, recently. Yeah. <laughs> like the American national yeah, anthem. Yeah, not by Radiohead. <laughs> yeah. So those are some of my favorites right now, as well as, you know, like the classics, like um, uh, You Made It Weird and mm-hmm. like you the NPR weird. podcast. So um, we were talking about this earlier in the car, but if you if you're into like movie stuff check out the ringers podcast they have a bunch of podcasts there's one called the watch Mm -hmm. which i really like and um there's also one called binge mode they're a little bit too intense right now because they're doing a binge of harry potter so they're doing like they're too intense yeah they're doing like one episode per chapter of every single book that's awesome or per five chapters but then you can like like read along yeah, no. Because I doing. so the Gilmore guys when Marvelous Mrs. Maisel com- came out did a a comeback and did uh, a podcast per episode of Maisel, which yeah, is like of one Maisel. of my favorite shows of the year, um, and um, and I watched it as it went along, so it kind of helped me spread out the series, so I didn't binge it. I watched it. Once so you a week. you watched through all of Maisel? Yes, I love it. What did it. you think of it? Oh, yeah. I think it's it has a great future because it's nominated for a bunch of Emmys, and she won last year now for the Globes. She oh, won the, the Globes. Globes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for her. I'm all I'd... about female-driven shows this year. Nice. So. so do you want to get into some of the shows you've been watching? Sure, but I should give you guys this the stand for a little bit, and then I'll come back. What have you guys been watching? Uh, okay, I'll start with uh, Animals. Ooh. So I recently uh, finished the uh, second season of Animals on HBO. This is a really interesting show. If you don't know about it, it's an animated show about animals, but the way they do it is they improvise most of the dialogue. Oh. So they have a, a framework of where the scene is going to go, mm-hmm. but they the dialogue is like heavily, heavily improvised. Yeah, and, and they get a bunch of funny people y- to come yeah, in. Yeah, the, the voice acting is the highlight of Stacked it. Stacked every episode. Yeah, and if you if you listen to a lot of podcasts, like we do, like half the fun of the show is trying to figure out actively like yeah. who it is. You'll and then like, when oh, the, fuck, that's Nathan Fielder. And when the credits come, you're like trying to read the weird font to be like, yeah. oh God, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the third season just premiered last night and I haven't seen it, but it's going to be great. Like this show is actually really really good. It's it's a little dumb, but what there's this but there's this layer to it that I find really really interesting because it cuts to this human storyline. So in the first season, the human storyline is a corrupt mayor that gets reelected, and then the second season, the storyline is this like corporation that is fabricating this deadly virus and like puts it out into the world and then creates a vaccine like a cure for it to get to like control people because they're dying from this virus so it's like this really really heavy dark subplot that they just cut to and there's no dialogue with it because oh, only the like dialogue talk. exactly only the di- the dialogue is only with the animals Ooh. and the animal stories are like just kind of one-offs and they you see animals like going to school going to work having relationships it's so funny and then you cut to the humans and it's like this really dark intense shit but there's this one episode in season two where they do they did a live action episode and they have so many people come in like you you know uh wild horses like lauren lapkus and and yeah, her, yeah. her little troop yeah, yeah they're yeah. in there dan Harmon and dino are in there oh, wow. um rupaul and john sure. daly wait are these people like dressed up as animals no 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 it's the human storyline oh okay. the human storyline gets a live action episode got it yeah 
Uh, and I've heard that this new upcoming third season is going to have a lot more live action, oh, which I'm that. kind of it's weird because the way season two ends it puts it in a place where, like, I don't see that being feasible. So I don't know where the storyline is going to go. I just think it's great that this show even has this overarching storyline mm. just because of the structure of the episodes. It's yeah, kind of yeah. like one-off little stories. But mm-hmm. I'm excited for it. It's a great show. I I, I really it. recommend right, it. Um, well, yeah, while we're on HBO, I'm going to go for something. I didn't even mean to talk about this, but I... Right when I got back from New York, I wanted to watch a New Yorky show, and I realized that I didn't finish High Maintenance on HBO, mm-hmm. despite talking about it on the pod and talking about how it might be one of the best shows on TV. So I I watched through it in like two nights because I I was shocked. Like if you just watch it, I think it might be like a top three show on TV. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's amazing. It's unreal. No one, literally, no one talks about it. Like I never hear anyone being like, "Hey, did you see High Maintenance?" Like no one. And partially, probably because it's on HBO, you know, less access to that. I think the premise... And HBO doesn't promote it. Yeah, no promotion. I think the premise of it kind of cheapens it because people hear it's about a pot dealer and they're like, oh, it's like a stupid stoner comedy or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the, the loose threading of the show is unbelievable. It's these loose narratives of like... Sometimes an episode will not be about the dealer at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll just be he'll like he'll have like one moment. Yeah, he'll have a scene. It, it, there's usually two or three narratives per episode where like he'll or then he'll just be walking down the street and he'll pass someone and then the camera just follows that other oh, person. Master of None style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then then you just get like 15 minutes on some random person in New York living their life. Oh, that's cool. And it's it's like perfectly shot. It's really really well written and acted. Um, the co-creator Katya Blitchfield of it was the casting director of 30 Rock for eight years. Nice. So she knows New York actors That's really, cool. really well. Yeah. And so she gets these performances out of people you've never seen in your life. And they're it's, unbelievable. It's a show. It's one of those shows that feels so naturalistic to the point that you think that they just pick someone off the street. That yeah, that, that it's they're not even filming actors. It's that they just mm-hmm. dude, it's unreal. I gotta yeah. watch it. It's great. It really is so good. And it's only two seasons. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, two seasons. Season two. Um, I found out that uh, Ben Sinclair, who plays the unnamed dealer, the guy. Yeah, the guy, as they call him. Uh, he was married to Katya Blitchfield when they made this whole show as a web series and season one, and then they got divorced for season two. <gasps> so in season two, they introduce the fact that he is divorced like and there's a character oh, that wow. is her oh man it, yeah it's really surreal. it's really close to real life it's there's there's one episode in particular i i'm gonna want to go back and rewatch this because yeah. i kind of like it was one of those shows that i just kind of had a on well i, I just kind of had it on and i would mm-hmm. like glance to it and be like holy shit this is actually like incredible yeah it is but it's, i need to like sit down and like, be like really pay attention um but there's this one episode that is from the perspective of a dog yeah the whole episode just follows like a dog running around the city and that's in season like one episode three they decided (laughs) to go that balls out like it's it's really ambitious uh it's sneaky ambitious you wouldn't think but it it kind of reminds me of american vandal where people see the premise and they see maybe one episode and they're like all right i get it yeah no you don't get it you gotta you gotta watch it i need to finish watching that show american vandal it's yeah yeah, i started it and i didn't finish it it's so good Yeah. yeah that that's another one in my top five. It's really on, easy to watch right too because the episodes are short. But one one last thing about high maintenance, I I think we brought this up when we had talked about the show before. But there's this really cool element in season two where, as from the first episode of season two, the characters, all, all the people you see, are like distraught. Everyone is just like bummed out. 
and you don't they don't say what it is but it's basically the 2016 election and oh. right from the start like there's just this weight over everyone like there's just this dark cloud over the entire city and everyone is just like really bummed out and then also like going out of their way to be nice to each other and they never address it they never say what it is or what is happening yeah. but you just know you that's just know how because that's how that it was day. exactly yeah. it's it's such a it's such an emotionally uh honest show the mm-hmm. the show it most reminds me of is transparent um on amazon which is another one that no one it kind of it had a lot of hype and it lost it uh, my mom watches that show really? so that's that's another not no one shout okay. out to mom again <laughs> jesus okay <laughs> That is, it's, it's just so, the writing is so emotionally fluid that that's the only thing I can possibly compare to. Yeah, I've to. heard it's really good. It's, it's almost so perfect. So while we're on the topic of HBO, um, I have my HBO show, um, cause who doesn't? <laughs> we're all white here. Okay. So, <laughs> um, I, since I was like really young, have binge watch a show every summer. Uh, Mauricio and I, my brother have binge watched Gossip Girl Grey's Anatomy. That's baller. Uh, just really, I don't like to watch like two season shows. I feel like I need to challenge myself and watch like a ten season show in one in a, summer. In the summer. Um, so Jeez. this this summer, uh, I I went at it alone, but I binge watched all of Girls. Damn. Um, and I really liked it. I thought it was well. Obviously, I liked it because I guess it's like geared towards people of females of my girls age. girls <laughs> girls so um i thought uh the performances were all really spectacular i feel like i'm really late to this game so i won't speak too much about it but yeah. um if there's any other like people like me who just are behind on the on the on the i was gonna say spectrum but that's wrong. <laughs> no no let's use a different word the ma- on the matrix <laughs> on the matrix um <laughs> you know watch girls it was really good i love the ending we were talking about it yesterday yeah the um, ending's a, a little weird because you get an ending in the second to last episode right and then the actual final episode kind of feels more of like a coda or an epilogue yeah, yeah. but it was the only selfless act of the whole show is in that last episode wow that's funny um, yeah girls is a real i think that's a really good show it definitely has a dark cloud hanging over it because yeah. lena dunham puts her foot in her mouth every single week like every yeah. week there's a new tweet that's like she's like oh i wish i had an abortion or something like that and it's like what 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 right and, um, and hannah the her character on the show so is, unlikable. is so unlikable like she just keeps making horrible mistakes and alienating the people that she thinks are her friends and and her family and you know not dealing with her problems like an adult it, yeah. i feel like she doesn't really grow up until the very final moments of the very final episode exactly you know so it it's takes like, it takes that's the why you want to keep watching because you're like she's gonna learn and then you're like it's season six episode four and yeah. this girl is still a baby so <laughs> the thing that kept me interested in that show wasn't really hannah it was I, all of the other characters exactly yeah. i you get invested in um, her father's journey to to come out of the closet yeah. and, and find his sexuality. You yeah. get invested in Marnie and her tragic, horrible Ooh, marriage, right. and her really coming to terms with how shitty she has been. Yeah, and the 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 trapping like the she gets into this horrible marriage because of her own 
inadequacies to be As like a person, a, yeah. to be good to herself right and to fall for this like really really toxic guy, guy. Yeah. so that's the stuff that and you get invested in oh my and adam he's like the Ooh. only character i cared about truly he's adam driver may be the best actor of his generation <laughs> he's such a weirdo in that show he's amazing so what's weird. the character's name adam Oh right, okay. Yeah. I was making sure I was right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I, I watched it in a blur and then I was just like, Okay, I'm done. Bye next show. Yeah. That's really bad. I watch shows like that. <laughs> he's amazing though. Like he really He he's gives the best. He owns every sure. yeah, every and in, in in girls there's this like physicality to that character yes. where you feel like he can just like punch through a wall. Yeah. His the way he like moves and like reacts to things, you're just mm. like, Yeah, I feel it. He's kinda he's kinda scary. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He's kinda very scary. Also shout out to Andrew Rannells. Oh yeah. Broadway oh my boy. God, yeah, he's so good in that. I okay, so the reason I watched Girls the real reason I watch Girls is him. the episode where he auditions for the show and he sings the Smash song uh-huh. um, because I watched all of Smash, obviously, and um, <laughs> I wanted to see that moment like within the context of the show. So I watched like six seasons, but I ended up really liking it. Yeah, but I, Andrew Reynolds, yeah, he's he's amazing. I the first time I went to New York, he was on the original cast of Book of Mormon, right? And I saw him, and he blew, amazing. He was oh, unbelievable. So did ki- you meet him? Did you uh, stage door? No, but he he outacted like he had like. Josh Gad and a bunch of pretty good You saw good Andrew Reynolds in Book of Mormon and you didn't stage door? <laughs> I'm going to leave this house. Can I tell you that I still don't know what that means? <laughs> <laughs> you just stand by the door, Drew. You just stand by the door. Okay, well, look, I saw him. I, I was All like, right. yeah, I saw him out there and I, I was saw like, him, oh, there he is. I saw him in falsettos and it was my goal to meet him. And oh, did you stage out. door? Oh, I stage door every show. <laughs> I took Damn. Ernest to stage door a few shows when we stage doored Oh Hello. We did Oh Hello. Oh my God. I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but <laughs> when we stage doored Oh Hello and I had to talk to Nick Kroll oh, and, and like, John Mulaney, so nervous. It I was, was like, amazing. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say. Like, I don't want to be like, like freaking out, you know, I want to be like very calm and collected. <laughs> and then I ended up like not really saying much i was like nick he really likes your show he's just not talking <laughs> yeah and i was like yeah, that's man. why i don't do that because i would freak out but you need the, i was like i was like yeah experience. man like i really i really like curl show i i think you did really good work on and that they talked <laughs> they talked to us about big mouth remember yeah before we ever they were like we're anything. doing this new show on netflix yeah. and we're like what <laughs> See, I was like, "Nice plug, Nick." Yeah, you fucking idiot. <laughs> oh my God, no. that's a good show, though. Little did he know that we we plug it now. Yeah, he plugged it now. We plug. And it. then John, he was like, "Well, the the thing is that we um we waited a long time to meet in them. the cold because they were probably getting high because they yeah. opened the door and it was just Not weed." Reeked. Um and well, Mulaney's sober, so he probably didn't. Nick, do yeah, Nick smokes though. Yeah, Nick yeah. smokes up. But they were chilling, and they took. I want to say almost 45 minutes to come out. Mm-hmm. And you were like, we got to go. I was like, we're not leaving. You're meeting Nick Kroll. And I wanted to meet John Mulaney, obviously. So yeah. I would yeah, I would cry if I met John Mulaney. It was, they were so nice. I, um, I, he like gave me a handshake because oh. I told him I really liked the last joke in the show because it was in his special. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And he was like, can I shake your hand? And I was like, can I have a hug? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, a and then we took a picture and, <laughs> and Mauricio like popped his head up behind us. Oh. And Mulaney thought that he, he was... Said, that 
that it was just a random person photobombing like, us. And, photo- and I was like, oh, don't worry about it. That's just my brother. And he thought that was the funniest thing ever. He was like, just your brother. That's a good one. Can I use that? Yeah. We see it in, in Kid Gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. That's, that's fun. Yeah, we'll shift gears really quick. Uh, last time I potted, which feels like it forever ago, um, I talked about Clueless, right? Um, yeah. Which... I thought it was a really good movie. You've seen it, right? No, isn't that crazy? What I didn't watch movies as a kid. I'm I'm like you that they just, I yeah, just wasn't true. interested. You know, I I was recently home and I realized why I didn't watch them as a kid because watching a movie with my family is a fucking pain in the ass, <laughs> and they're horrible at it. That's why. I my family loves movies, but when I was a kid, they would always be like, "You can't watch this with us because you're too young." And Same. then when I got old enough, they were like, "Do you want to watch movies?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> why would yeah, I? I, yeah, I can I can relate to that. So they've seen it all, and I don't um, ever watch it with them. But yeah, I wanted to. I was catching up on these like these '90s rom coms that like defined a generation. So after Clueless, I watched one that goes hand in hand with that. uh, Ten Things I Hate About You, which is such a good movie. Yeah, it's a Julia Stiles, Heath Ledger Mm. pre death. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's like '99. This is like the movie that broke Heath Ledger as an American actor. And he's so he was Australian. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he had done like smaller things, but this was the one that really broke the him. The scene free. where he sings to her. Yeah, yeah. So you I know. Mean, oh, I saw. I've seen oh, that. Oh, okay. One. You've seen this one. Yeah. yeah. It, it's yeah. There are a bunch of classic moments in this. Mm-hmm. Clueless. I found out after uh, talking about it is based on Emma by Jane Austen. And then, no way. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's a modern retelling, and it turns out like all these '90s rom coms are modern retellings of like classic literature. Because this wow. one is. A, a modern uh, version of the Taming of the Shrew by Shakespeare. Oh, uh, that's what it so, is. So yeah, so it has like a stupid uh, a premise that would seem hack until you find out it's a Shakespeare premise. So you're like, no, you're like ah, so wise. The, it was, <laughs> <laughs> or you're just like, oh, it's not hack because it's 1800s. <laughs> it's 1800s fresh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the the premise is basically like this dad doesn't let his daughters date, um, but then eventually he's like, well you my popular daughter can date when my like curmudgeonly like asshole daughter wants to date someone so then uh you got young jgl and young david crumholtz like little kids oh my god yeah and they're plotting because uh jgl wants to date the hot sister um so they're trying to get this other sister to date heath ledger so that the other one will be allowed to date it's like and then everyone kills themselves at the end yeah exactly no (laughs) it's a really it's a really like it's a plot that I would honestly think like came out of Save the Cat. <laughs> like it's so <laughs> it's so fresh, which makes sense because it's like you know classic. But I mean, that's just good writing. Get, give every character something to do. Yeah, they all have right. motivations. It's all clear. This movie is not as good as Clueless, though. Um, I don't think. Take. Well, actually, I don't even know if that's a hot take. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't say it because I've never seen Clueless. Yeah, so. I I don't know if it is. I honestly have no idea what the consensus hey, is. Poll question for all you listeners out mm-hmm. there: Clueless or yeah. 10 things I hate about you. <laughs> that's that's actually good. We'll post tweet, that. Tweet at us. Clueless. Yeah. Okay, Clueless is funnier. This movie is like more, it has a, a couple classic romantic moments. Like you said, the one where Heath Ledger, he's trying to win her over partially for this dare, but then classic rom-com style, he actually falls for the girl. Mm-hmm. And then she finds out and then she's like, oh, no, you don't like me. And then he's like, no, actually I do. Here's another gesture. <laughs> Mike, Mike fell. Mike fell, Mike fell. It's okay, it's okay. Um, so yeah. <laughs> she's holding it now. <laughs> um. So take it take it off the stand. It's it's fine. So so Julia Stiles is great in this movie. First of all, where did she go? What happened to Julia Stiles? I don't know. I think she just like stopped her acting career, right? 
I maybe. I don't think she died. Maybe she had kids. Maybe she. I mean, I think she just pieced out. Yeah, I could see that. But she's so good in this. And then Heath Ledger is like, he's got the energy, man. You see this, and you're like, he's a movie star. Will you watch Mean Girls next? Uh, I've seen that like forty times. Oh, okay. So good. yes, I, I will. saw it on Broadway, y'all. Oh so right. Good. It was. Well, it wasn't that good, but it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I heard it's Shout not as good Noah. as the movie. Yeah, Julia Stiles, her most popular movie is 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, Damn. yeah, for sure. Um, if but you, she did a lot in the 90s. She was like the girl. Yeah, she did some stuff. She was also in the Bourne movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. She she was in the early 2000s, too. But if you watch Clueless, you'll be like, oh, uh, Mean Girls is like Clueless. It's like doing Clueless. That's what uh, they're... It's a good thing, though. Like, it's okay. it's a new version. That's going to be the next musical. They did Heathers. They did Mean Girls. Clueless <laughs> is next. Maybe. I um, wouldn't be surprised. Heathers is yeah. a work of art, though. So. But yeah, a uh, couple, couple reasons I don't like this as much. Uh, a, it's not as well directed, which is... This director, I don't remember his name, but he's done, like, big movies. It seemed like he was using this, like, teen comedy to, like, audition for, like, huge action movies. Because there's all these shots... They're like so well orchestrated, like pan shots that take two minutes and they're following people and they serve no purpose. Like they're totally pointless. They don't fit the genre. It's like, you're like, what am I watching right now? Like, because we're going to talk about eighth grade later. The choices. Don't spoil it. Fine. Fuck. No, I'm just <laughs> the choices in eighth grade are all very on purpose. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like well, they fit I mean, especially the, when you do a long take, there you you shouldn't do a long take just because you want to do a long. Yeah, take. it's just it's long takes. It's like pan shots. It's just there's like a five minute helicopter shot to end the movie. It's like what are we doing right now? Like his the director's name is Gil Junger. He's he's settled down recently as like a television director. So Not I mean, it Gil. worked as an audition reel. <laughs> he's very rich. I'm his, sure. Um, his IMBD um, photo is him in what looks like in front of a river with his shirt off, but you can't see his chest because it's covered by a MacBook in his lap. Oh. And then he's holding reading glasses in his hand. So Headshot of the century. <laughs> so Gil, Gil Fox. Um, yeah, I, I, could, I could see that being his picture get, <laughs> based on this movie. It just seems like he's trying so hard to impress without actually trying to make like Gosh. a great movie. The script is great. It's a little plot heavy. Like because it's a Shakespeare thing, like every scene is like really trying to move the plot forward of this mm-hmm. like contrived like, plan that they all have or whatever. Um, I like Shakespeare Clueless. and his plot. Uh, yeah, I, I like Clueless better because it's like it's it's a dumb comedy like there's barely any romance there's barely any arc it's just about like a rich girl trying to be good and she's stupid and it's not it's not pretentious yeah yeah it's i mean it's shot like a teen movie it's right. not shot like a fucking born but movie. that's not to say 10 things about you is completely pretentious no it's definitely no, not it's but, only a little bit yeah and both of these movies suffer something another thing that eighth grade definitely doesn't suffer which is uh all the teenagers talk like they're like 40 yeah like oh, they're right. so smart and so witty because that makes for better dialogue but it's hard it's easier to write when you're a 40 year old screenwriter you just write like you, people. Yeah, you, if you make every character sound like you, you're done with the script in like well, an hour. Right, and they're also, like, boom, gonna make millions of dollars off of this. Yeah, but it's exactly. also a, a product of the era. So, yes. you know, these movies all kind of bounce off each other in terms of tone because Absolutely. one movie comes out, like a movie like The Breakfast Club comes out and it kind of like redefines the genre for the next decade, decade and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's what that's yeah, what happens. No one wanted yeah. to s- listen to real teenagers talk. They exactly. just wanted to hear but funny things those, come out of those... hot people's mouths. <laughs> John Hughes movies did a pretty good job of of semi realistic dialogue though. Like Ferris Bueller, great dialogue in that yeah. movie. That's oh true. my God. Um but yeah this 
this was a good movie. Um, I just wanted to. It's going to be interesting to juxtapose it with Eighth Grade because that's what I was thinking about afterward. I was like, holy shit, Eighth Grade so is so much better. Yeah, than both the of these evolution movies. of. Um, yeah, yeah. I think so things have gone some, a different way. Some of the things that uh, Gil Younger has worked on oh, was um, Kyle XY. He directed the pilot of that. You guys wow. remember that? He orchestrated the the belly button reveal shot. <laughs> Where you're like, oh shit, yeah, and uh, that's that's about it. I don't recognize anything <laughs> else. Yeah, big big TV. Guy. He worked on uh, uh, Till Death. He's done a bunch of just like bad shows, which honestly, you get forty k a pop for oh, like directing yeah. a TV episode. He's probably like he directed he directed an ABC Family movie called Christmas Cupid. Okay, that's huge. <gasps> Um, it's called Freeform. Please yeah, be politically it's, correct it's on this podcast. Now. Well, this was in 2010. So. It's, it's actually uh, not for families anymore. <laughs> yeah. And that's fucked up. It's, it's for tweens. Have you guys yeah. seen any Freeform shows? Hell no. no. Well, I mean, I've I seen ABC sh- Family shows. I think this should be a whole subject of Oh, yeah. This Pretty just, Little Liars and all that. Yeah, just see every single one. Pretty Little Liars is bad. I've seen all. I bet every every girl has my sister's. There's a new there's a new Marvel show on Freeform. Of course, called there is. Cloak and Dagger. They're just trying to put Marvel shows on everything. Yeah, all hail our Disney overlords. Um, you want to talk about Orange is the New Black before we uh, oh, take yeah. a break? Okay, so I um, Orange is the New Black is one of the first shows uh, I binged on Netflix. Um, seems like just yesterday I started, it's a huge I started binging. show it, i mean that was one of the shows that got people on netflix yeah absolutely i remember when it came out everyone was like what yeah. is this it was like that in house of cards it was a big risk to you know release a show like that as your first go around for yeah, an original series um but obviously it's paid off because this is season six, six i want to yeah. say um, so this season is coming off of a huge season last year it comes out once a year um it's a I guess it's a good summer show because you can cry in bed and not have to like worry about going to school. Um, So it comes out, uh, it comes off of the season from last year, which uh, the inmates rioted. And so it was a huge uh, Black Lives Matter kind of movement because one of the uh, African-American girls in the, in the show was killed by a police officer. Um, So uh, it was very like, it kind of took a turn where the past, uh, seasons had been more about the characters and like building their like how they're like deaf of character this last season um last year was about the it was really plot heavy and it was hitting on like things that were happening now and this season this year um centers around the aftermath of aftermath of that and how corrupt the um police force like actually is because one of the police officers was actually killed by the SWAT team and so they covered it up um and tried to blame it on one of the inmates because they're like well they're already in jail we can slap on Mm -hmm. 10 more years for killing someone and we won't have to go to jail for it Mm. um so it's super intense and uh um well I don't want to spoil the ending but they're introducing some really relevant shit next year uh pertaining to like trump era policies Mm -hmm. and the ending like severely made me cry you get really you get really attached to these characters who like you know are inherently bad people but it just shows like how screwed up the police um and like the well they're in a private prison so the private prison system and the way like um all these people are basically being exploited for like minimal crimes. Like most of them are out there for like drug charges or like shoplifting. Um, Mm. And you know, it's just, it really opens your eyes 
uh, and I wish they would like split the season up so they would release it twice a year because I feel like pe- more people would keep watching it because it is a kind of a long season. Um, but well, they might do that if they end the show because a lot of sh- a lot of shows do that where the final season they'll, they'll split, split it up. Into yeah, two. I thought this was the final season, but then that ending, I was like, well, they're gonna do at least one more year. But yeah. I hope they don't drag it out for too long because right now they have really tight seasons. So, but you definitely, I mean, this is one of those like phenomenon shows, so people oh. are, are gonna watch it. But you, yeah, I think it's kind of been dwindling a in bit. audience though. It has, yeah, I've yeah, read about I it. I think they need to just like wrap it up. But, but this season was really good. Speaking to what you just said, though, we earlier we were having this conversation about like shows that have an end date in mind. Yeah. Because you mentioned right. you shouted out um, uh, Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah. As shows that were pitched with an ending. And that's something that is so crucial, I think, because we don't. Absolutely. The, the model for TV any uh, now isn't a model that allows for shows to like be spinning well, its wheels yeah it's it's so different because like historically if you're a showrunner and you get a show made you want ev- even if you have as much money yeah, even if you have an ending like for example the creators of how i met your mother had an ending right and they had like a three or four year plot line but then cbs was like hey you can last as long as you want and they were like Perfect. yeah absolutely <laughs> so it went for, to push that ending so it went for nine years and they ended up going with a absolutely terrible ending that made oh, no the worst sense ending in tv yeah history. exactly because they had over the five years that they didn't plan they had created these arcs that re that made the ending originally so I, so wrong i remember when that ending aired i cried but <laughs> because it was yeah not the worst ending ever it, it was it's tragic like i i used to watch that yeah. show in like early high school and i heard about the ending and i was like good yeah, thing i stopped Mar- watching marisa and i also binged that show and then we watched the last season live and it was that was that was one so of so disappointing. That was like maybe the last good uh, laugh track sitcom, mm-hmm. um, and that was because it, you can barely hear the laugh track most of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they turned it down. Uh, one show that I thought is definitely benefiting from being planned from the start is The Good Place. Oh, I absolutely. think that's a show absolutely, that they know yeah. exactly where yeah, it's going. That's the new model of sitcom, and there's no room for making shit up yeah. as they go along. Well, we were talking about how Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend are both five-season shows, so they're about to end. Uh, this is their last year. And it, it's both shows have twists that kind of... Sometimes twists like upset you because you're like, oh, you're just trying to drag this on. But since you know there's an ending, there is a purpose for every single right. twist. Mm. And so it makes you a little bit less upset that like things aren't going as you thought they were going to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially in Jane the Virgin when like one of the best characters in the show just dies off. Not going to say which one, but you're like, what is this? And then you're like, okay, something's going to happen. Mm. I trust the sh- You trust the show a little bit more because you know it's going to end yeah, the I way it should it. end. All right. Well... That does it for what we've been watching. We're going to take a break, and when we get back, we're, we're going to talk about what we've been watching. My Bo. Oh, my God. Bo. Oh, my God. <laughs> we think we know you. We'll be right back.
Yeah, yeah. Parked at the days in, ain't taking no days in. Yeah. Don't need a vacation, I need a replacement. Uh, Bustin' the lights out as soon as we came in. Yeah. What are they talking about? What is pertaining? Yeah, yeah. Need me a therapist to ask if I'm aging. Is it me? Do you feel caved in? Why am I demons invading? I live here, no hesitating. They biting, they biting the cage. So I'm about to cancel my movie pass subscription. Rest in peace. I guess I'm gonna too. I tried to see eighth grade with mine, and it was like, okay, you can go go to a mall like 40 minutes away and use it. Well, I I went to go see Yellow Submarine with Lee, and the it was just straight up like no, it's it just showed no screenings available. Like it wouldn't even show okay. the movie. Did you guys talk about this last week about yeah. movie pass yeah. dying? Yeah. So sad, man. R.I.P. Man, the end of an era. <laughs> I I watched 44 movies with movie pass. That's baller. for around a hundred dollars. Nice. And that was that's great. Yeah, and it was all at the price of some investors who were already billionaires anyway. So fuck exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah. Watch movies on them. What even? I don't understand what their end game was. Like, when did they think? Why didn't they just start putting ads in the app? That's a good point. I didn't understand that. Like, what they're... They were... I mean, they were trying to last long enough to sell start... Sell some data, right? To, yeah, to sell... To make movies and sell data. But, I mean, that discount was so steep. But we saw 8th grade with AMC A-List. Ew. How's that? Great. Really? Fantastic. It's amazing, dude. Shit. You, you can book your seats days in advance. You don't have to be within 200 yards of the theater. Three yeah, that was annoying. <laughs> yeah. Three movies a week. Yeah. And the AMC... Is it new new movies included? Yep, and everything. any movie. IMAX, Dolby. Fuck, I might have to do that then. Because I was holding out because I like having the choice of what theater to go to. You know? Right. But I might do that. Well, in Tallahassee, they uh, there's only one AMC. Pretty yeah. much one movie there's theater. Two, yeah, there's two theaters and one of them no one goes to. <laughs> right. So uh, in order to get people to buy the pass, they amped up movie ticket prices to $20. Um, so basically, like, it's pointless to not buy the pass because it's $20 a month. Wow. So, I guess I'm going nice to put you can put the, monarchy the, there. the price of the ticket towards your A list. So, right. it's like if you just paid $20 for one ticket, you can just go up to the customer service and be like, okay, I'm going to put these $20 towards A list and you're signed and give up. It to you, yeah. Makes perfect sense. So, hopefully, I mean, hopefully they don't shut down because if anything, Movie Pass, like, disrupted the industry enough to get amc to do this yeah absolutely so hopefully they stick with it and they're not just like well since movie pass is dead i guess well, we'll, just- well they profit from people going to the movies whereas movie pass wasn't profiting from people going wasn't pr- they were just yeah. profiting off of i guess the payment yeah monthly. and but they- if amc gets people in like butts and seats they get exactly. all the like popcorn money like people are spending money towards yeah. amc so i mean yeah plus movie pass made every theater company actively hate them right <laughs> which amc is just doing this within yeah. themselves yeah this so. is essentially going to start a competition where we're now regal crown club is going to become like the a monthly thing, thing. Yeah. yeah all these different theaters are going to introduce something similar because that's how the that would works. that would make more sense because now i'm just going to want to go to amc yeah exactly mm-hmm. it's gonna yeah. I'm, that's how capitalism works it's just going to be a, a competition now um and we win America. yeah and we're back so Late? let's get into a little bit of Bo Burnham. Yeah. So um, generally, how do you guys feel about Bo Burnham? He's kind of controversial, strangely. Um, well, I mean, I've listened. I'm sure you guys have listened to his You Made It Weird episodes. All three of them. Yeah. He has three episodes where he kind of like 
opens up the contents of his crazy brain and shows you just how much of a genius and also like cynical and insane he is Mm. so it's like this this guy is clearly dealing with some shit it's not an act yeah he there's some some dark dark stuff he's he's had a very weird life i mean he started making youtube videos when he was around like 16 probably he was one of the original viral youtube stars yeah immediately got famous um instead of like being instead of staying on youtube he saw you know he saw Potential. that as a temporary thing he he parlayed it into a stand-up career completely bypassing the system that a lot of club comics have of like hey you got to work the clubs for 30 years yeah. you got to be passing out flyers <laughs> yeah. so comedians didn't like him at first and i think he felt the guilt of it yeah a lot. and uh i recommend there's this show on you can find on youtube it was on showtime it's called the green room with paul provenza it's like a roundtable live show discussion between comedians and there's an episode with Bo at like age 19 or 20 wow. Wow. and he's with Mark Marin and Paul Provenza who are like you know hot like and they're all like who the fuck is this kid yeah. and Gary Shandling and they're all like oh, you know they all peaked R. in the R. 80s and 90s um and like you can tell at first they don't like him and he went by the end of it like they love him like he wins oh, them all over awesome. cuz he's actually funny like he and yes. he, and he's biting and he's, he's mean so smart. which is what they want um, but so yeah, he, he has actually he has three specials. So he has mm-hmm. words, 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 what and make happy. Yep. And words, words, words is not readily available anywhere. Um, no, but the c- music is. Yeah. So you can listen to the songs because if you don't know, Bo Burnham right. is not your classic stand up comedian. He's yeah. more of like a showman who incorporates original music into his. Yeah, act. it's way more theatrical. And that's another reason like stand up fans don't like it because it's almost not stand up it's right on the edge of stand up um that's the reason that i like him i think anti stand up yeah and it's so planned and so not exactly and i i think that the people that don't like him on that basis should probably do a little more research because i've always thought that basically he's doing a modern continuation of what steve martin did in the 70s Mm yeah when he changed comedy forever Mm because steve martin's stand-up was in character always it was all planned it was all theatrical and it was self-reflective and yeah. a little meta. Yeah, and then he ended up quitting comedy and doing movies because he lost the passion for it and he didn't see it as a way to help people anymore. So I think you've talked about this on the on the pod before, but um, you talked a little bit about how Aziz can't really play, can't really do shows anymore. Like he, he did Madison Square Garden and like that's pretty much it because he can't get jokes to work because people just laugh at anything that he'll say yeah the way that you workshop material is if you're a big comedian is you just kind of drop in somewhere and you do a set if you're famous like aziz people laugh their ass off even if it sucks so i remember you saying that that's what happened to steve martin yeah that that kind of happened to him he just he lost the the passion for it and he found I mean, he found a different medium more interesting. He moved on to writing books He's and done plays. It all. Yeah, plays and movies. Oh, he has some great. We saw one of his play, his plays. Meteor that he shower just came out. Really? With, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was with Amy Schumer. <laughs> <laughs> I've always I've always found those two really really similar. They've had and I mean with Bo Burnham making a movie now, their arcs are even more oh, obviously yeah. comparable. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just the fact that Bo is the twenty first uh, century version of that makes it a lot more compelling just because of the crazy fucked up world that we live in and right now. he really, now. like, understands, like, I don't, he understands, like, our culture right now yeah. in a really, like, honest way. Yeah. Which is I, why this movie works exactly. so Exactly. Well. I mean, Eighth Grade isn't just a movie about 
a, an eighth grade girl. It's also a movie about like the time that we live in right. and the society that we live in. And that's yeah. that's what makes it so good. I but, think people love him because he he doesn't it, it's like he's hard to get like he is hard he, to relate no he's he's playing hard to get to his audience oh right so right. they love him because he doesn't want them to love him yeah, his bit is like um, i don't like you that's yeah the bit. he's like yeah. i'm your i'm don't love you yeah, just like steve martin like exact exactly same thing. Like so like, let's let's talk a little bit about what and make happy before we get into the film yeah. so i rewatched both of them recently I only rewatched Make Happy with you. Yeah, yesterday. so we watched that last night immediately after seeing Eighth Grade. It made so much sense. Yeah, well, not only did it make so much sense, but it was like a nice kind of uh, cool yes, down. Right. It was like a nice cool down after a very intense movie. Yeah. Um, but what I think is pretty much a flawless masterpiece. I think yeah. there's only one moment in there that I don't think works, which is when he's doing the little fake poetry out of the book. The little, mm-hmm. I think that bit wears a little thin on me. Mm-hmm. But and the I brains think, bit, oh gosh. Oh, the left brain, right brain. Yeah. That, yeah. dude, that, that is, is legendary. It's, it's so good. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, comedy is subjective. And I mean, if you don't like him, I'm not going to tell you you should because that's impossible to say. But but we will never talk to you and we'll yeah. just shun you for the <laughs> just, rest of it. No, I'm just kidding. What, however old he was when he made what, like 22 or 23? So young. That is the work of a fucking prodigy. It's yeah. crazy to even wrap your head around because he did all of the work. He made the music for it. He directed the stage play of it. He The lights. He did everything at such a young age mm-hmm. that you you watch that and you think he, he this isn't the end. His end game, like Mulaney's end game is stand up. Because oh, he's yeah, so good he's at it. Oh yeah, he's never gonna stop. Bo Burnham's Endgame is like in space somewhere. Yeah, and with Make Happy, you really get the sense that like he's he done. he he's capping out. He's yeah. maxing out the the potential that he can get out of stand up. Yeah, and and Make Happy is one that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because it gets kind of preachy and serious. Well, it, it rubbed me the wrong way when I first saw it because I think I was extremely excited to. Well, I'm a big. We'll get into it. But I'm a big Bo Burnham fan. Um, and I was really excited because he hadn't come out with anything in so long. And I remember watching it and being like, screw this guy. Like, that was bad. <laughs> and um, and watching it again. Sorry, I got loud. See, I'm getting comfortable. Um, <laughs> he turned me down. <laughs> um, watching it again. Um, I, I actually really enjoyed it last night. Like, I was like, mm. oh, I get it. And, like, knowing now that he ended ended his stand-up career basically with it it makes so much more sense yeah apparently he's still doing stand-up but he said recently in an interview that he was having problems with panic attacks on stage right oh. no okay way. so i saw that same Holy interview shit. and i i'm gonna get into the movie a little bit can we or do you want to keep talking about it a little bit sure go ahead what okay do you say? so i saw that same interview um and he was talking about how he like was just extremely uncomfortable on stage mm. um and he was uh saying how like when he first started stand up he's like oh yeah like i'm gonna be like relatable to these like other you know young men who are uncomfortable <laughs> in their bodies and then when he would leave his stand-up uh like his shows it would just be like 13 year old girls going up to him and being like you're so relatable to me like and he was like this is my audience like i am a 13 year old girl um which is what like this movie is basically like a love letter to growing up as a 13 year old girl in like the 21st century which Mm. i as a 13 year old girl was a big fan of bo burnham and so um like when i was in middle school i was um in yearbook 
um, and I would like sit on my computer like for hours and just we would listen to like the Bo Burnham albums but like we were the only people in probably all of that middle school that like knew who Bo Burnham was Mm -hmm. but I was surprised that he was like saying like he was so like in touch with like this young audience that was like listening to him for like years well it's it's interesting that you know these things like anxiety and insecurities and just the stress of being young and adolescent mirror the human existence and that the fact that like just being a human there there's not much of a difference between being a young uh 13 year old girl and a 20 something guy yeah like obviously it's very very different but when it comes down to like the core just weirdness of life yeah stroke and which is why which is why this movie works for anyone going to see it because everyone can feel that like well it it, it works because of Bo. right It, it works it's it doesn't just work because of the idea of making an honest story about yeah someone could have really fucked this movie up if they if someone else had done it exactly the the reason why it works is because for some reason Bo burnham understands what it's like to to feel like you're uncomfortable in your own skin better than anyone and and is able to to put that into words and put that and visualize that just the anxiety of people judging you and feeling like you belong yeah and your self-confidence it's yeah it's kind of like there's some old saying it goes something like like a great movie isn't about the main character it's about you like that's Mm -hmm. what this movie it, it made me feel emotions that i hadn't felt in a long time yeah uh and it was so universal that it wasn't just like a member berries movie. It wasn't just like a, oh, I remember feeling that way. It, like you said, it deals in struggles that never, ever, ever go away. Just the internal human desire to feel important is a big part of this movie, which never fades ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So it's a great combination of very specific storytelling yeah, and broader, yeah, and broad, broad uh, emotions. That yeah, because it portrays it portrays growing up in like in the area of social media very well Mm. and well i'm in this room the the person who was in middle school a very short time ago compared comparatively Mm. um and i was i was in the sixth grade when i got snapchat and i remember like one of the seniors asking the girl like when, how old were you when you got Snapchat? And she's mm. like fifth grade, and they're like fifth grade. What? Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually now now that we're like talking more about the movie, I'm really yeah. glad that we have you here on this episode to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, it's a lot closer because if if it had just been the core three, <laughs> like three twenty something guys talking about this, it's a lot tougher for us to really get into the core of what this movie is really right. about. Because there's so many things in this film that speak strongly to a strict like female experience mm-hmm. and female yeah. perspective that we can't possibly relate to that. Yeah, right. and and also the time frame works a lot better for you. Like, yeah, when I was in middle school, all I just had MySpace and I was <laughs> fucking obsessed. Like, I was like her with all her socials, but I yeah. would spend hours tweaking my profile and things like that. I cannot even yeah. imagine the weight of having like seven different things to manage. I I felt this movie a lot. I mean, from the very beginning, and um, that opening monologue. That opening monologue is just like, well, it's just like there's so many like little details that he just got like perfectly right that 
you know you kind of just think like oh this is like something that I'm doing and then like you see it on screen and and like just like every little detail is like so accurate to like the way it was growing up like what oh my gosh wait I'm, I compiled the list okay let's hear it <laughs> okay so um first of all her well while I'm pulling up the list I'll remember one that I was thinking about um her scrolling through tumblr and like the the like pages that she was looking at like the harry potter oh and, yeah like, kind of like <laughs> the, nerdier, post. The, the nerdier stuff because like tumblr is like y- you know it's where you like go to like your deepest darkest desires that you wouldn't like tell your friends about i guess <laughs> okay so when she opens her, <laughs> this like made Ernest and i both laugh when she opens her memory box and the first thing is a signed bring it on playbill <laughs> yeah and yeah. um in my room i have every playbill of every show i've been to and they're <laughs> all signed um post-it notes on the mirror um i have i had a uh, the I had a few. I had smile with like a little smiley face under it. I had um, if you, what's if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree. Oh I had that God. one. Um, I had every <laughs> single member of One Direction on post, uh, uh, like drawn. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a lot, and also just the idea of having a time capsule. Um, I've had a time capsule every year since 2012. Wow! And I have all of them still. And well, she burns when she burned her uh, hers. I was like heartbroken because I couldn't like imagine letting go of all of that. Mm. Um, but there's something about like keeping all those memories. Um, well, let's save some of the actual details of the plot for the spoiler yeah, section. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just yeah. totally spoiled that. Oh, uh, she doesn't <laughs> Shit. she doesn't burn it. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. Good so, thing you're a good actress. <laughs> you really pulled really pulled through right there. So let's let's just go around and kind of voice our, our overall thoughts okay. on the film. Obviously we all really, really like it. Um but before we get into like more actual details of the plot, so yeah. Weird. Um you want to go ahead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. I think I've been... I, uh, last night when I got home, I was really kind of shaken by it because yeah, it's a we really... Like tra- it's like an s- intense, shocked. traumatic, horrific experience, yeah. this movie. Um, so it was it was a lot. It was really overwhelming. But now that I've kind of slept on it, I think this is pretty much a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to give this movie a 10 out of 10. I have no complaints. Um the only thing keeping me from doing that is just the fact that it's so fresh in my mind and I would rather kind of let it sit, maybe see it a second time. I'm although, seeing it again this week. Although I, I don't know if I could. That's <laughs> the thing, it's man. So much. It's tough. I'm going to watch it again. But it's, it's really, honestly, it's really fucking spectacular. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so impressed and happy that Bo Burnham is making movies. Like, he wrote... His 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 like, calling his sweet spot yeah, yeah he he wrote and directed the hell out of this he made a script that is able to be funny engaging uh horrifying and scary tragic and also, tragic yeah. and uplifting and beautiful all wrapped up flawlessly yeah. mm-hmm. it, it fits just every component fits every scene by the end of the movie, you see the the whole picture, the whole puzzle, and it all works and it makes sense. And just the way he directs this, man, the way the 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 kids are so awkward Genuine. and 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 nervous yes. and insecure and like bitchy and mean, it's all perfect. perfect. You never get the sense that anyone is overacting yeah. or underacting. 
even the dad the the dad is like channeling Bo because like Bo is in this age where he's too too old to be the girl but too young to be the dad so he's in the sweet spot where he's able to relate to both of these characters in the perfect way he is a dad like he has a he has a kid he had a kid yeah Oh, okay i didn't know that yeah um but i really doesn't he have a I don't, I don't know. I don't Google I'm gonna it. Google it while you're talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> just, like, but he he that. is an old soul. Like his, the way his cynicism, the way he carries himself, and the way he presents his ideas is in a very kind of mature, uh, just just older way. And I really saw him in the dad's performance. Like the just the way he carried himself and he moved. I like I just saw Bo in mm. him. Um, and I I really I think this is easily one of the best two three movies of the year it might be the best movie of the year so far i i'd have to think about that um i i i'm head over heels for this movie i'm so happy that yeah i I saw it on the other hand uh i agree (laughs) i i couldn't find anything wrong with this movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) um it's the best movie i've seen this year it it's probably the best movie I've seen in at least two years. Nice. Uh, aside from like old movies, but this right, right, right. Uh, it viscerally affected me on a personal level more than I thought it could because this it, it reminds me of when I watch a show like Transparent or High Maintenance where it's like how do you know everything about everyone? How do you have this profound empathy for every character that you're writing for, where you understand fully their motivations and their dynamics and who they are? It's fluid writing. Just the little ticks, yeah. too. Perfectly acted, perfectly cast. The girl who plays Kayla is just... It's... I mean... Well, I, she carries the film. I, I was at work last night after seeing it, like, tearing up, thinking about how her acting and how... Like, some of the scenes that in this movie. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, it's directed perfectly. It reminds me of when I watch like something that Donald Glover directs like the first thing he mm. ever directed was on Atlanta and mm-hmm. when I was watching it I was like fuck off <laughs> like fuck, like that's how, how you this that's how I felt watching this it was like just get get out you're that's not allowed you can't just start and be good that's not fair yeah and it's like it's flawless the score I would assume he had something to do with because he is a musician and it's it's a great fucking it's score. yeah it's electronic and it's perfect um, the way that the movie is shot, like in contrast to ten, what I said about 10 Things I Hate About You, every shot is very intentional and is working toward an emotion, not like a visual effect. Mm-hmm. This is one of the emo- most emotionally intelligent movies I've ever seen. It's the single hardest to watch movie I've ever seen in my life. Uh, like there's there's cringe, which is a word that gets thrown around too much. It's it's inte- like real cringe. It, it is scene after scene of squirming in your seat, like, like almost. I had to look away a few times, <laughs> yeah, and I, we even were, though like, it was the best movie, holding our drink and popcorn yeah. like in front of our eyes. Yeah, and it's because it is what eighth grade is like. Like for me, eighth grade and ninth grade were was this feeling of like having no idea how to act, being just constantly nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's told through narration of these little videos that she makes for YouTube where she gives advice um, just on general, like how to live your life, which no one watches. It's so, so sad. Um, and that's a really, really smart narrative device. The, you know, the narration of her telling people how to live their lives while you're watching her not, not live her life. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful movie. It has a great message. The message at the end of it is essentially 
it's not one of like environmental approval. It's not a message where by the end everyone's like, "We love you." It's a message where by the end she loves herself. Yes. And I thought that that was or a she, really, or at least she's getting there. Yeah, she. It's it's not like it's like not these a other movies tied in a bow. Yeah, and it's not like Mean Girls where at the end she confronts the bully and everyone's like, "Yeah, you're the bully." Yeah. It's not like that at all. It's the exact opposite, in fact. But all of the approval comes from within herself with the help of her dad. I think it's a beautiful message. It's a great movie. It gets so much right about literally everything it tries to tackle. Yeah. I love it. Okay, first of all, Bo Burnham doesn't have a kid, but I like starting rumors, so let's just say he does. Yeah, um, he's like three. <laughs> yeah. He has a dog. Maybe at maybe the end of Make Happy. Yeah, I a little he dog. had a kid. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Kids are pointless. Anyways, um, I love this movie. Um, I don't have enough good things to say about it. Well, first of all, I felt I was, uh, I feel like i was this girl but i also hated this girl mm-hmm. in middle school um uh, i think i think she they embodied what it's what it's like like i said what it's like to grow up um you know in the 2000s and like have snapchat and instagram and face facebook well she doesn't use facebook because um no one uses facebook anymore yeah. <laughs> um but like all of that together and trying to you know make an image of yourself that isn't necessarily who you actually are but there's so much pressure to kind of portray that and i think they really like they hit the nail on the head um and i just really connected to it in a lot in a lot of ways um like well we'll we'll get into it later but a lot of the dialogue she has with like different characters and like her own opinion of herself is very like very much like how I felt and I think I kind of was in her spot closer to seventh grade because by the I always had older friends so that by the time I was kind of finishing middle school I was already like well in my way to like you know having high school friends but in seventh grade was the year that I was like really really just like didn't know what I was doing (laughs) and I showed my brother a a YouTube video I made and it's called hello world period uh it has 94 views wow and yeah you know that's way more than Kayla I know. Kayla, better watch out. Um, <laughs> but I kind of consider this movie a love letter to my generation from Bo. For, I, I don't know if he like actually gives a shit about any of us who like listened to him for years. Um, but it just feels like a, like a, hey, like I see you and I see that you supported me and like this is for you. Uh, that, that's actually really beautiful, you know, based on what you said earlier about him figuring out that the people that related him most were that demographic. Right. Um, but I just really think that he's also going back to what I said earlier about him making a movie about this world that we live in and this society. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that you're going to kind of mine these themes of social media and just this, the, I mean, the movie's not about social media, but it uses social media to drive the story and mm-hmm. like the internet in, in a way that works best for a girl in the, in the eighth grade. Like if yeah. you're going to, if you're going to make the internet and social media, a major component of the film, it makes sense for your protagonist to be an eighth grade yeah. girl mm-hmm. in, in make happy. Uh, like I said, it gets a little preachy and serious and he goes on a little uh, monologue about how uh, everyone 
wants to be important like that's been always been a human nature but the market's response to it in the age of social media is more social media it's saying all right you want to be important here you go like well it's not just be it's not just be important it's to perform everyone wants to perform so with social media you get to perform to everyone all the time exactly and he got backlash from some people in that special because that is not comedy (laughs) to say that (laughs) and it's I don't know. It's something that's almost hack. Like people really don't like it when you bring up that social media is kind of insidious, but it really is. Um, Especially when you're just a young girl that doesn't yeah. understand the dangers. Exactly. Of it. And I think a, a way superior way to address that issue was to make this movie um, because it's weaved into an amazing narrative that, like you said, encapsulates every single emotion. It's not a Black Mirror fucking episode where like the whole point is like this is bad. Yeah. It's just a story. And in it, you come to your own conclusion that, hey, there's like, it's not saying that it's overall like a horrible thing. It's just saying there's there's some messed up stuff going on. Well, I, th- it, I, think- I think I think more so the message was that it influenced the way a whole generation of people like saw themselves in the way they socialize. Exactly. Um, I, yeah, exactly. Like, it's not a movie that's trying to make a statement right, about like the Internet Instagram or social media. Sucks. It's just that. It is what it's it is. part of these people's lives. Right. It's ingrained into the way. And it's part of it's part of my yeah, growing up, and and in a some way part of your growing up. It I mean it wasn't necessarily like an Instagram DM, but you know like Facebook poke. Well, or, I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, so like we live in a world now where we almost don't have a choice but right, to be to on it. social right. media. Well, I mean, some people just choose not to. I it, it personally really for difficult. me in my line of work. I have to embrace social media and I have to use it as a tool, even though it is it is capable of so much negativity and and and, you know, pain and and destruction. It's also capable of a lot of good Good, and a lot of positive uh, communication Mm -hmm. and 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 spreading of, of information. And I personally, I have to just lean into it. And I have to find the goodness in, in it and not shy away from it. Mm. So what this movie does is it, it, it just it shows you what it's like for these characters to just use the Internet and social media in, in their day to day lives. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about that. It's also just about a girl that's trying so, so hard to love herself. Yeah, that's, and, that's what the movie's mainly about. Yeah, it's about learning to love yourself amidst feeling unbelievably anxious and i think that what social media does with that is that it shows you continuously how good everyone's life everyone else's lives are all the time you're seeing the greatest hits the best possible versions of everyone's lives on a constant feed Mm -hmm. and if you're a little uh insecure girl that's struggling to love herself and you're constantly seeing that you're gonna think that your life sucks because your brain isn't it's not only that but it it, you think that your life sucks and at the same time you you feel the need to make sure other people think that your life is the best life and there's those shots of her like in her yard with like (laughs) with like her empty like uh child like play set like (laughs) taking selfies and like that's a that's a real like thing like i and it and you I mean, I've kind of grown out of, like, the pressure to Instagram, but, like... But it's a real thing. But, I mean, like, it, it comes to the point where, like, 
you grow out of it but in the back of your head like i haven't posted an instagram picture like i've posted maybe like two all summer and i'm like i didn't i didn't like document my summer like what am i gonna i have all these pictures and i didn't document them like because i grew up like thinking i had to document everything on instagram because it was part of the social pressure so phasing that kind of pressure out out of my system is really difficult and like i like have experienced a lot of like lasts and I felt so guilty, like being, I didn't document barely any of them mm. on social media. And like in the back of my head, it's just like, did they even happen? Yeah. And, and with the, with the film, I personally, I, um, as the film was going, I thought that it wasn't going to kind of tie everything together. I thought that because we were only seeing the story through Kayla's perspective. It was almost too closed off. Yeah, that we weren't going to be able to, to really take anything away from it. Mm-hmm. But there's a scene towards the end of the movie where she finally has a chat with her father. and It's perfect. I'll, I'll get more into this in spoilers, yeah. but... That scene made the movie for me mm-hmm. because the whole time her dad is just kind of this tertiary character. Guy, yeah, he, like, you, you're like, what? What's his deal? His like, what? Yeah. What's he even doing here? And you get this really beautiful scene mm-hmm. by a campfire mm-hmm. that just it kind of wraps everything together in the most perfect way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it made it so I understood where he was coming from, and I understood what Kayla's entire journey was leading her to, and what was going to basically like tie yeah. up her arc and finish the movie in a perfect it, yeah, way. Yeah, it really did, cause, because of how kind of progressive the filmmaking of this was, I didn't know if he was going to close up the narrative in like a normal way. Yeah. And it wasn't like a normal, normal way, but right. it was... You leave like semi satisfied, and I was like, "Oh, okay." I think you leave very satisfied yeah. that that you endured such a intense experience that this movie was, gives you. There was a moment, and it was a short moment where I felt like oh, it wrapped up. But I'll talk about it in the spoilers. Yeah. yeah, there, yeah, there, there are a few scenes toward the end where I finally got uh, what I felt I wanted coming to me because uh, another thing that this movie does incredibly well that I kind of mentioned earlier is. Uh, giving the characters realistic vocabularies and oh, make, that opening monologue. Yeah, her, all of her videos are so they're hilarious and tragic. But Kayla's is not an articulate girl. No, <laughs> yeah. she she ha- really has a hard time communicating what she's trying to say. Um, and that's how life works, especially right. when you're young, and it bypasses the the long-standing tradition of making all your kids so smart so that they can communicate narrative ideas and move a plot forward um not just her all the kids in her school they talk how you would think every first every scene with aiden first of all i cr- like so yeah the hot the hot kid yeah there's this kid yeah. she has a crush on <laughs> every time he shows up it goes slow-mo and the music drops the funniest things in the movie that's such a bow moment i I was like god damn it when i was okay so like i felt that that was one of those moments where i was like i understand this girl a hundred percent because like she's a little bit like big she's not like huge like she's not like you know like obese but like she's just like a little bit bigger and like you can tell she has a lot of body image issues Mm. especially well we'll get into it but like the pool party scene which was like one of the hardest scenes to watch in the whole movie but i always like he's like liking the skinny kid is like such a i don't know like that's just such a thing and she looks she looks like 10 years older than him because she's like gone through puberty and Mm. he's like he's like 
still just a little boy and he thought instagram of him like flexing and he's just like a stick and she's like oh Uh, yeah (laughs) uh that's so hard just being like bigger than everyone else like i feel that's so hard yeah that the pool party scene a lot of scenes in particular it's just this movie encapsulates emotions so strongly that's why i think this is a perfect movie because every scene had an emotional beat that they wanted to he, he Bo wanted you to feel during that scene and every single scene I felt that emotion the, the, the one head. that resonates the most with me about that is the scene when she's speaking to her new friend on the phone mm. and it's a single take without she's cutting walking. and she's pacing back and forth oh, she's, and the yeah. camera is just following her very very close as she's pacing and I got literally dizzy I was yeah. I felt like I and was like she, yeah. nauseous Exactly. It's exactly how I was she felt. So excited yeah, for her. That's that's what I meant in terms of the directing. Like it's so different from these other movies I was talking about because ev- like the camera, where the camera is, the lighting, every choice is helping you feel how you're supposed to feel. Yeah. Instead putting of putting like, you in her point of view. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's incredible. I haven't felt so anxious li- since eighth grade. Like I'm not even. And joking. all those moments where like people are talking and you only see her face like her reaction to what's happening yeah that's true the camera stays on her so much throughout the movie so as a final sort of thought before we move into spoilers um this is something that i i said right after we walked out of theater the reason why this movie is so damn good as compared to a film i saw last week mission impossible fallout is that in mission impossible you know Tom Cruise is going to be okay. You know for a fact that he's going to win. He's going to make it out fine. The fun is in how he's going to do that. In eighth grade, I continuously thought this girl is not going to be okay. Mm -hmm. She is something is going to happen that is going to be horrible, terrible, traumatic, and she is not going to make it out of this okay. And it made for a much, much more effective film and just engaging cinematic experience it's what you were saying like when you are in the eighth grade like you don't think you're gonna like get through everything like Mm -hmm. you're like i'm going through this and like there's no way i'm gonna come out of this exactly and like that's how i felt during this movie i was like there is no way this girl isn't gonna just like off herself yeah literally like (laughs) like one risk two risks like like seriously and another thing uh another interesting uh comparison to mission impossible i haven't seen fallout yet okay but there's one really impressive style of filmmaking which is shooting and filming things that are huge like massive action set pieces mm-hmm. where crazy shit yeah, is happening. Tom Cruise hanging on yeah. to a, the side of yeah. a plane. And to right. do that really well is really, really cool to watch. But I, th- for me personally, it's a lot cooler to watch something that is, from a zoomed out perspective, very small and has no consequences at all. And using the trick of empathy and empathetic filmmaking, you're, you feel as though it is bigger than any action scene. Yeah. That's how I felt this whole movie. This movie impacted me more than watching someone like jump out of a plane yeah, and totally. die. Oh, like, yeah. Well, it, well, I mean, because it's actually about something and it's actually telling a story and it's putting you in the, the shoes of the protagonist. Because mm-hmm. that's truly the ultimate beauty of cinema is that it's a way to experience someone else's life. Yeah. That's what made Moonlight so good in 2016 and the best movie of that year is that you are able to relate to a homosexual black man. When else would you be able to feel that experience and, and be 
have it communicated to you in an honest, yeah. impactful way. That's mm-hmm. yeah, that's the best part of movies, I think. Yeah, like I I love a good action movie or whatever, but being able to feel for someone that is nothing like you and also but understand that you feel the exact same emotions as them is a really beautiful thing. And I mean a lot of the experiences straight up in this movie at the same time are like verbatim experiences I had. Yeah, Just me too. the the feeling I was almost getting really frustrated with her with how inarticulate she was. Like I remember that feeling of talking to someone you have a crush on and the words that are coming out of your mouth you're like what am I saying right now? <laughs> Where he's like, hey, I like your shirt. Or, you know, she's like, I like your shirt. I have a shirt on too. Like, those are things that happen to me a lot. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I charge my phone sometimes. Yeah. It runs out of battery. Yeah, I, I was really, exactly. I was like, I was a nervous wreck like that back then. Yeah. Seeking the approval of, you know, popularity and girls and everything. And that is, that is a, a really specific feeling that I never thought I would feel again. And I really did. I like... I liked when she was looking at the popular girls. Um, I'm moving into the mic. Sorry if that was like a loud burst of audio. Um, I liked when she was like looking at the popular girls Instagram and then she saw that Aiden is his name. Yeah. yeah. Had like commented on it and then she like was felt upset. So she like went on his page and like started stalking him because that is something that like everyone does everyone does like you're just like oh they commented on her picture yeah yeah (laughs) or like or like the uh the dm of like oh the other boy yeah the friend at the in the pool we should give him a name if we don't remember his name uh uh, I want to say Greg. No, Gabe. 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 Because he said he said Gab, <laughs> and instead of being like hi, he was like thanks for the follow. Yeah, like that's totally something I would do. That that kid was the best actor of our generation. Can, can we <laughs> so get, good. Can we get into spoilers? <laughs> yeah, let's now? get into spoilers. Okay, <laughs> that kid was so funny. Um, thank you, Bo Burnham, for this film. Now let's get into spoilers for Eighth Grade starting right Bew. now. So okay, the final pretty much scene of this movie where she finally has that quote-unquote little date with gabe um i think that might be the best scene of this year so 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 far i i'm having a hard time thinking of a better scene because it was so funny it comes at the perfect moment when you really desperately need that scene the release yeah because of what happens earlier in the backseat of that car you oh feel like you are just at the bottom of the fucking barrel and you can't possibly live yeah. anymore because of what you've just experienced. Mm-hmm. You get this really heartwarming scene that mm-hmm. is e- equal amounts awkward and cringy and also like beautiful and touching. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're like going out of their way to like you put yourself out there, which is one yeah. of the themes of the film. and put yourself out there. Yeah. I did the three hand thing. You guys couldn't see it. Gucci. <laughs> Gucci. Oh and gosh. they're both doing that and like just trying hard to just be friends. Yeah. This is that's that's what I was saying earlier. In a typical teen movie, they would end up being friends with everyone by the end of mm-hmm. it. Or at least right, or the girl, the popular girl would be like, I guess you can see Yeah, they'd be us. like, Yeah, okay, you're cool. Or but this movie like Kayla is not Pop, like she's not going to be popular. I'm so glad they ended it like. Yeah, that. she is not cool at all. Like right. she's a, she's a mess. She is a ball of nerves, and, and that's even, who you hang out with when you're a ball of nerves. And even with another she, ball of nerves, yeah, and she's happy. Her uh, her yeah. final like 
her like time capsule message to oh, her yeah, where she was like it's okay if you don't have a good high school yeah that was so sweet. that really it makes you feel there's so many things in this movie that do this but mm. that moment in particular makes you feel like this is truly well, a real lived in character in a lived in world yeah there, she there's learned there's she so grew. much depth and 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 oh, three-dimensionality yeah. but to then her. the best part is he still asks if she has a boyfriend because you know people aren't for, like yeah. they're not perfect and like you still have needs and wants yeah, things. Yeah. but what makes this such a amazing script that i hope is nominated for an oscar <sighs> is be. that um you get the sense that there's a whole life outside of this film because this yeah. takes place over the course of like maybe a week but you get this it's the, her last week of eighth grade uh, yeah you get the sense that like there's so much else happening before and after this film exactly. that these these characters have experienced so much and are going to continue growing and evolving and and living mm -hmm. their lives and that this is not the most important Moment. week of their no. lives but it's, it's just, just what we moment. get a chance to see yeah. Yeah. and another another opportunity for the movie to veer into like traditional like what the the normal version of this movie would be is what I thought was going to happen was her videos go viral. I, I thought yeah. that might happen oh, too. Really? Yeah, I was I was thinking it was gonna because this happens on Reddit a lot, and I know Bo gets on Reddit. So yeah. where it's like, hey, this this little kid's been making these videos and no one watches them. Can you guys watch them? And then it goes super viral. Yeah. And I, I was didn't like, think that for a second. And, <laughs> and or I, like they meme her. Or something. Yeah, I I thought that was gonna happen, and it goes either good or bad, but. The message of the movie isn't about that. Like, like we said, it meant it touches on all these issues, but it's not about those issues. And I really like that. And I like that she doesn't. She stops making the videos, and at the end, when she makes the final video to herself, you think she's about to start making videos again, and you're like, I don't know if she should. Yeah. And then it's well, just, it's just one final. Yeah. yeah. And that was really beautiful. And it, I'm glad that she didn't go viral because she well, might have killed herself. <laughs> what What that makes me think of right is something that no one ever brings up which is bo burnham's mtv uh series yeah oh, uh, zach stone, stone is, is gonna be famous zach stone is gonna good be, series, nobody ever talks about that this. was a it, really good show it got it buried and it is i forgot about it, it until you just genius. said it it's so good it's genius and it's all about How he wants uh, to be famous. yeah it's all about <laughs> bo burnham as zach stone finding ways to go viral and to get notoriety and, and become famous and mm -hmm. just like doing crazy things mm -hmm. And that was such a good show. Yeah, yeah. No one kind of want to rewatch. No one it. watched that show. <laughs> well, I think us three in this room. Yeah, that's, yeah, we that's about Bo's it. mom. Yeah, but that, not even his girlfriend. The reason why that may why why Bo is so into this topic is because he is constantly being self reflective about his own fame, and mm, he yeah. understands what we were talking about earlier about this like new age social media need to to be that and yeah. to want that yeah. and to constantly chase that. He's like the last that. person who should have gone viral. Yeah. Because he hates every aspect exactly. of going viral. And and he says, he makes a point to say in lots of interviews and in his stand-up that you should not try to do what he did. Right. Because... Don't make a goal out of going viral. Yeah. And this is another reason people don't like Bo is because he's had an incredibly privileged life. Like, he's never really struggled for right. anything. He had, right. a, he had a very supportive family and everything and he went viral and he said... And even at that point, he said in interviews, like, I still could have not made it. Like, it's so, it's a crapshoot. You shouldn't try to replicate what I did because but, it's not sustainable. But also right. his thoughts on fame and how toxic it is to idolize and love someone that you mm -hmm. really don't know. Uh, I love his takes on, like, how toxic po 
pop music is and pop stars are. And we get a little taste of that in the film during the um, the social media montage when you see her like scrolling through all these sites Twitter, and, yeah. and you see like uh, Demi Lovato or whoever else. And he, he, he doesn't make a big deal of it, but he just sprinkles it in there to just sort of say like, hey, this is a real thing that happens that little girls are constantly like being exposed to these yeah. idealized versions of themselves that well, they'll never her wanting to do youtube is just a bit like why do 13 year olds watch youtube because they see people like jake paul and like well i don't know if jake paul is in her universe but like people who are like ex- making extreme amounts of money off of like stupid sitting shit. in front of their camera on their bed and talking about like 10 ways to be cooler mm-hmm. and like like that's that is such a huge part of my generation and like our idols aren't like well other than like a few pop stars she like mentioned she likes Justin Bieber and Demi Lovato like I am sure that she idolizes like every single person on YouTube mm-hmm. yeah vloggers which, yeah yeah which is like i mean like i really that's just so wild to me her like getting up and watching a makeup video like i did that every single day of Mm. middle school like i would watch like a like i every like i would set up my laptop in my bathroom and like do a makeup video every single day and like that is so relevant right now Mm -hmm. yeah there's i wish they would have touched on it a little bit more and like gone into like her like what i assume is a big obsession with yeah. youtube because there yeah there is a massive youtube market for like self-help for girls specifically yeah where it's like here's how with guys it's more like gaming videos, like, like college, yeah when i got my first computer humor. when i got my first computer it was all college humor and call of duty youtubers yeah, yeah. but like there's this huge market of like like you said it's just general advice like what she's doing but actually good in a way but just kind of strange that these people are just make they, so they much haven't, money yeah and these people haven't been vetted in any way they no. haven't been approved for children they're just people who are, think that they can give good advice they yeah. might not be able to yeah. so there are three scenes in the film that are all different amounts and types of intense nerve-wracking cringe and the first one that happens is the pool scene and so much feelings about this pool scene uh bo burnham (laughs) is able to visualize and conceptualize a girl attending a pool party like no other yeah like uh, the most insane action sequence exactly of of the whole summer exactly that's yeah that's what i meant earlier like it it had so much feeling like you're like ah oh she's in the pool now ah when she's just like slowly walking every single detail like she's like she walks out of that bathroom in that green one piece yeah the one piece and you just know it's downhill from there (laughs) (laughs) that i i went to a big pool party in eighth grade and the feelings I felt watching this were the exact same. Where yeah. it's it's that middle school feeling. You still feel it today, but less so because you become more numb as an adult. But the feeling of who who do I hang out with? Who do I go talk to? What do I why, do? Why isn't anyone walking up to me right now? <laughs> like, what's wrong with me? Is this an okay swimsuit? I I also invited myself to a pool party in the eighth <laughs> grade. Um, there was a girl. Her name. Shout out to Olivia Martinez Miller. Whoa. Uh, it's okay. She's we're friends now. Okay. Um, er, and she she had a pool party and everyone i knew was invited and it was the last day of eighth grade and i went up to her in drama class and was like can i go to your pool party and she was like what and i was like 
I know you're having a pool party and I want to come. That's ballsy. Damn. Yeah, I know. It was a moment. I'm proud and of you. <laughs> she said yes. And I talked to her about it years later because we knew each other all through high school. And she was like, yeah, I really just didn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> like straight up. Damn. But yeah, yeah, that's I after this movie, I saw it with my girlfriend and afterward we just went to eat. And for two hours, we just talked about these traumatic memories <laughs> of middle school. Like I had one. I went to a party that I wasn't invited to and I was just a mess the whole time. And it was the exact feeling of the entire movie. Like literally the whole movie. You have this feeling. One of my favorite scenes, probably top two in the movie for me, is when she makes her final YouTube video and she finally is able to articulate how she feels. The way you know she feels, but the way that you're scared she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Where that she's, was so heartbreaking. Yeah, where she's like, I just, I feel like I'm always about to get on a roller coaster, but I never get the rush of afterward. Like, that's... The, the relief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That scene made me want to cry because I remember that feeling because I, I was a really anxious little kid and like... That way of vocalizing it is a really beautiful way to say it. The, when after the pool party, when she like that video or the like montage of her like singing karaoke, but it's like silent or she's like talking over it and you just see like all the kids just staring at yeah. her. But she doesn't perplexed. she doesn't realize that like they all think she's crazy because it's such a moment for her. Mm-hmm. I, I felt I felt that because I felt like I walked into that pool party and I was like, this is my moment and everyone hated but me. Also, and they're again, all like, why is she here? It was also a huge deal for her to not get picked up by her dad early and then go out there and do that. Yeah. You yeah. know, that was the biggest deal that, for her. That was another perfect dialogue moment that I remember. The, the phone call. Well, yeah. Well, well, she's on the phone with him. She's like, no, just go make me up. Just go. And, and then like in an hour and she's like, no, yeah, no. The party's over. And then, and then, <laughs> and, the uh, and then Aiden comes by. Oh my God. The yeah. Phone. And and she, he's like, uh, you know, everyone's over there. And, and she's like, uh, oh, that's where they went. <laughs> that that's the shit that I would say in middle school when I was nervous. Yeah. I'd be like, I he would act like, like an idiot. T-shirt around his neck. Oh yeah, uh, he had a Thrasher shirt. Yes. Also, that moment is when uh, she cuts her thumb on the yeah, cracked yeah. glass. I thought screen. honestly when that happened, I was like, oh my god, she's gonna start cutting herself. Whoa, I, damn. That's what I thought. I was like, she's gonna feel Jeez. that pain. So the that's the- what kids did. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I knew so many people who did self harm. Have you been when doing okay? <laughs> I'm great. That that's another thing. I just like I wasn't a shy kid. Mm. Like I was her, but I was. I was the kid that went up to the girl and told her to invite me to her party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, I felt her hardcore, but I was never, like, yeah. the anxious kid. So, the the other, uh, the two two out of the three scenes that I was talking about earlier that are, like, my favorites of the movie, this one is when she makes her new friend. So, we get this sequence when she goes to the this little field trip to the high school, and they um, uh, are paired with an older a uh, high school yeah. kid, like and a senior. Oh, yeah, and she actually has a great day. It's I a actually, great moment. Like, that was one of the scenes that I was, the one of the only scenes that I was like, that's a bit much, is when they're <laughs> like lined up in the conga line. And they're holding and, on to each other. And I was like, okay, fair, like maybe. But then the high schoolers start making fun, like taking pictures of them. And I don't think... I know a single person who would have like made fun of those kids because yeah. you like you feel that you're and like also, oh my god that must suck. There's the moment earlier when they're having like the school shooting drill, so you kind of <laughs> it, you kind of relate both of those yeah. scenes to each other the, as to like yeah. the overprotection. That those high schoolers like making fun of them was like the only moment I was like yeah. that's. But it's just a little dramatized to like. But she makes build this. It up. She makes this new cool uh, older friend, and this is what I'm talking about about 
constantly feeling like it's going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Like at every turn, at every single moment throughout this entire yeah. sequence of, like, of her fucked. going to the mall and hanging out with them, I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no. They're going to make fun of her. They're going to abandon her. They're going uh, to wor- hurt her. The worst part is like it all goes right. So then you start trusting the movie. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. You're like, okay, things are turning around. And then you get to oh, the car. car. Yeah. Mm. Guys. Wait, should we get there yet? Should we talk about the, the mall? The mall. So her dad is spying on her because he is so perplexed that she has friends all of a sudden. <laughs> so, yeah. so he's like, what the fuck is going on here? So he makes the horrible mistake of spying on his own daughter. Oh God, and I it's can't just, even imagine. And it's just like, like. Oh, so yeah. sad, so sad. So she's like, I'll get a ride home. You don't need and, to pick me up. Yeah, and those kids, uh, well, they're my oh, the, age. The conversation the, at the... I, yeah. felt, I felt like that they were portrayed my my age group very well. I Yeah, I thought they were great. Again, he gave them vocabularies that fit. I speak like that. Yeah, they yeah. were they were way more articulate. They were saying shit just to put out and, shitty opinions, well, just I like kinda, high schoolers do. I loved her yeah. older friend, Kayla, because, well, I worked Olivia? with... Kayla is the eighth grader. Olivia is the older friend. I hate character names. They're all, they should all be named Susan. Okay. (laughs) That's a hot take. Olivia. Olivia. um, She was um, great. uh, I I work with middle schoolers and that is how I speak to a middle schooler. A hundred. I'm like, oh my God. So cool. You're so cute. Like, oh my God. I'm so excited. Like, let's do it. Like that. She was really good. Yeah. She's like, oh my God, we're going to be, we're going to be so But I was, I was so scared that she wasn't being genuine. (gasps) I kept thinking that that she was going to, well, that's, that's how other movies work where they're actually yeah. bullying well, her well i thought she was gonna react how i would have reacted which is like oh my god we're gonna be best friends and then t- if, and then if kayla would have called me i would not have answered yeah, you'd be like oh i'm, I'm, I'm not a good person but <laughs> yeah. olivia is a better person than me and she answered mm-hmm. and invited her out that's what i was like if she invites her out like yeah that, that was fo- scary that phone call scene again is one of the best moments of the movie because right. there's so much writing on that there's so much at stake with that oh, phone call and you feel well, because the because if she had been rejected, God, that's a. I mean, she was b- taking a huge leap, calling yeah. this high school girl like mm-hmm. that is. Yeah. that's tough. Yeah. yeah, and she was just, and the whole time they're at the mall, she's realistically she's being very quiet, just like she would, just observing. You got this one kid, Trevor, who's oh, an absolute prick. The girl with the feminist uh, oh, the necklace. necklace. Yeah, I was like, that, that is friend, everything. Not putting up with anyone's shit. Yeah, this no, was a yeah. great one. Yeah, that would have been more me. And then you have this other boy who is he's being pretty quiet the whole time while his friend is doing he's all the talking. He's the only one that did like the aside to her. That's you put your trust in him. Yeah, yeah, because he's like, like I'm ah, not quiet. You're quiet. Yeah. yeah, they yeah. have a tiny little moment there. Yeah, yeah and then later, so all they're right. so well, they're in the drives. He drives everyone home. He drops off Olivia first, and then it's just him and Kayla in the car. And as soon as that dynamic starts, you're just like. No, yeah. no, this, oh God, no. This is a Please, scene, no. it's, first of all, it's played out too realistically. Yeah. It is so slow. Every moment. And he it, parks, he pulls over, parks the car, well, gets he, out. No, at first he says, it's kind of weird talking to you when you're in the back seat. Yeah, so you think he's going to invite her up front. Yes! And then he parks and he oh, gets in the yeah. back and you're like, shit. No. I'm, I'm, getting, walks, I'm getting like, my he, heart is like yeah, going right now. The moment he like walks out of the car and like bangs the he like bangs the bumper yeah he's trying to be all cool and that's the that's the moment Ernest and I were like well this is the end (laughs) oh my god and this scene goes 
on and yeah. on and on. Gosh. And it I got a, to it the has point. To be like what, like ten minutes? Maybe I don't know. More? It felt like four oh, hours. Four years. I kept waiting for it to end. I was like, please, yeah, God, it has just cut and away. And you didn't know how something. far it was gonna go. Like you didn't know like how much yeah. she was gonna so do to her. So this stupid kid, kid oh. decides that it's a great idea to play a truth or dare game in the well, back. Yeah, of he's this trying car. to he's trying to hook up with her. Like that's the entire point. Straight yeah. up, I thought he was gonna dick his is, or whip his dick out. But he is so bad at it. <laughs> like the whole He's time. so bad at it, and and it comes across in in the writing and the dialogue. But the thing that sells this scene oh and makes it work so the well writing. is the way it's shot and lit. Because this kid looks like a fucking demon. Yeah. He's like convul. He he. At one point, he takes his shirt off, and he's like he's almost like, like convulsing in darkness. He's like not cute. You either. can't see. His face at all It's completely yeah. Shrouded in darkness like. And a really Really smart choice for From Bo In the writing Was that they This kid was the Quiet kid When they were hanging yeah. out Because if they made him The asshole That would be just Another trope Too obvious No he was the yeah. He was He like talked to yeah, her Yeah but this is I mean it makes sense This is the quiet kid Who's nervous around girls His own age Because he's pretty small And so he's like Alright she's in 8th grade That's Is that weird And maybe I should Yeah and so it, During this scene This kid is like you can tell he's nervous too, but in like a really creepy fucking way. Where oh my it's, god! But it escalates. He becomes I'm more sweaty thinking about it. He becomes more monstrous as the as yeah, the scene exactly. Goes on. Yeah. And, and he's trying. Yeah, he's trying to figure out how to do this. And eventually, she finally puts her foot down and she like screams no. And then you get him scolding her as he drives her home. Oh, it's so which is so shitty. Yeah, and he's like, you know, she's trying to help you out so you'd be ready for high school or whatever. Yeah. Uh, absolute asshole shit. Uh, so earlier you're talking about when she's on the phone and she's like, you know, you're getting dizzy because the camera is following. When she leaves that car because he drops her off, the camera the running. Into- well, yeah, she's running and the camera is following her in the way that in a horror movie it would follow a girl that's about to get caught because that's how she felt. But she nev- needed to get home yeah, and be never safe. for a second was I thinking, oh, he's going to run after her. But you feel that way because the camera is giving you this emotion. And that then as whole soon as scene- the door closes, the music stops. Yeah. yeah. That it- whole scene is, so is the movie essentially turns into a horror movie. I And it works. Yeah. I just I love the portrayal of like a douchey high school guy being like the scariest thing, because yeah. I think every single girl experiences that. Of just like a total dick, like coming on. Well, to more you than or... just a total dick, like oh, shit could have gotten so bad. Like that, I think that was the worst part. Is like we didn't know how far he was gonna go, and like yeah, I was like, Bo, and, don't murder this girl. I <laughs> I thought he was gonna just like mount her. I don't yeah, know. It was yeah, I was so exactly. scared. You're waiting for the worst, and it makes this scene just so hard to fucking handle yeah, absolutely yeah. brutal it, it, i was i was clutching my popcorn as hard as i could i was trying hard not to throw it at the screen i literally felt the need to get up and leave the theater yeah i can't remember the last time i felt that yeah. obviously i didn't do it but i wanted to no i yeah. wanted it to end yeah it was that's when like because of the emotions of this movie it was worse than a horror movie and he doesn't <laughs> yeah. get reprimanded yeah. like when she goes don't tell olivia about this yeah because you think that and you're just like Oh my God! Tell Olivia. Yeah, exactly. Like, she would have get, scolded the hell out of him. He'd get expelled. Yes. <laughs> like he would. He'd and nothing to... happens. Yeah. That's so, it's it's uh... tragic, but that yeah, it's just it was really really good portrayal of like the worst thing imaginable, basically. Oh, God. And so then after that, we cut to silence and we see her. You know, she crying. runs into a room. We have a great following shot, and she's crying. 
Josh Hamilton, who plays her dad perfectly, by the way, finds so good. A little bit of comforting in there, and you're finally like, okay, maybe she's starting to realize that he's chill. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Hamilton is amazing, by the way. He's in he's in Kicking and Screaming. He's like the main guy. Oh, that's I yeah. He sounded very familiar. Yeah. I was like, I've heard this dude's voice before. He's such a he's, he looks way older. Yeah, than he looks like a real ass yeah. dad now um yeah. she but, like knocks stuff down you you see like her room is like yeah. her perfectly like decorated teenage girl room is like yeah destroyed yeah, yeah. but eventually that leads to the campfire scene where she burns her time capsule surprise she did yeah. burn it <laughs> and <laughs> by the way if you search josh hamilton on google he's a baseball outfielder yes so. yeah <laughs> um but yeah this Google's camp- like the only hamilton i know is the musical <laughs> try again <laughs> this this campfire scene um you, you know i i just talked about the three like big scenes that work really well for me but the campfire scene is kind of the the thing that makes it all kind of wrapped mm-hmm. together uh, i kind of described it as like all of the 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 lines being colored in mm-hmm. at the end and kind of like you 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 stand back and you see the whole puzzle as complete because of the dad having that moment because of of Josh Hamilton's performance like yeah in this scene you understand everything about this character yeah. and how hard he has been trying to connect with his daughter and you know from her perspective how shitty is it to to know that the only person that wants to be your friend is your dad. Yeah. Like, that's a horrible position to exactly. be in. She's having a really hard time. But then she's like, she like understands because... The undying parental love. Yeah. When he finally is able to have this moment with her and open up to her, she finally understands that that's a good thing. Yeah. That right. you have this yeah. person and, that you can count on. And yeah. you, you were so right earlier, Kami, when you said uh, it keeps the camera on her for the whole movie. You know, mm-hmm. like there's so many shots that are just her reacting to like some idiot talking. Like at the pool party when uh, Aud- Audrey, I don't know, Aiden? Shannon's dad is like, I brought the cake out. Oh, We're- you just hear him. Yeah. Oh, yeah and it's on you her. just see her reaction. And she's to her. relieved because the the pressure's off her. kind of. But she's also like she's crushed. staring at like the gift that she yeah. gave the girl that she like. Hated. It's like hard. Go- it's like go fish, but it's like way funner. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. Um, so good. Yeah, exactly. And so but during this monologue by Josh Hamilton, the camera finally goes over to him because that's who you're supposed to empathize with during the scene. And, and it you works. barely see her reaction. Yeah, and it works right. so well because you finally see, like, he, he, first of all, gives an incredible performance. It's really, really well written. It's a great, like, fatherly thing. Yeah, um, he keeps being like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just say this if I wasn't, like, I would say this if I wasn't your dad. I would say that that's such a yeah, parent thing yeah. to do. And yeah. he mentions the mom and they don't make a big deal out of it. Right. You just, you hear it and you understand enough they give you enough to kind of fill in the gaps of where the mom is Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah yeah yeah. but overall like you just get such a good sense as to what this character is doing in the story the whole movie you're kind of wondering like what is this guy's deal like he's just kind of annoying her a little bit and like being like overprotective and trying too hard to relate and to be her friend he doesn't parent very well like the whole film yeah he's kind of a pushover yeah he's kind of oblivious too yeah Um, but i mean you know not every parent makes the right decision at every point and that's kind of a moment where he like sticks the landing yeah and he's just he's trying the whole movie i was the thing i was most frustrated with kayla is that i wanted her to be nicer to him for the whole movie i know i was like he's just trying man i was like i was like i if i had like used my phone that much during a meal like yeah exactly but 
going back to the point I made earlier about you understanding that these characters have a whole backstory, you think about how this guy raised his daughter by himself being right. a single dad. Yeah, he's, he's clueless. He you doesn't know what he's doing. Best. Well, you see the whole arc in your mind. You see how they probably had a really beautiful relationship when she was young mm-hmm. and then she hit adolescence and this Lost divide it, happened. Yeah. This this gap happened in their relationship so real where he is trying to let her do her own thing and not intrude mm-hmm. and, and be this like yeah. overbearing father but also just like being heartbroken at losing that connection with her and you mm-hmm. get all of this in the writing and the directing yeah. and the performances it all comes together perfectly yeah and the moment that I liked the most in the whole movie was like it was like a little cut scene to her like laughing in the car with her dad at the very end and she because the whole movie they're like driving and she doesn't talk to him and mm-hmm. stuff telling him to shut up yeah she's literally like don't be so quiet yeah but don't talk to me which is like <laughs> I just I that like <laughs> yeah, that kind was really of funny. I just I empathize so much with that like anger for no reason. Yeah. She's just pissed yeah. cuz she's like growing up and that sucks. And like the moment well I just really related to like like being able to like just talk with your parents and like not feeling like whatever they're saying is like pointless and mm-hmm. like uh, I it made me want to like call mom and like yeah. apologize. <laughs> like just be like I'm sorry if I was like the worst yeah (laughs) we we probably still that's the best part is like we probably still are always the worst to our parents but they'll still always love us always love us yeah yeah it's a it's a sweetie thing love you mom and dad yeah i love you guys you guys have any final thoughts before we wrap it up i think we've said a lot about all the reasons why this movie works i don't really have any criticisms no it's it's hard to understate how uncomfortable you will be watching this movie. Like, I want to watch this movie with my father. I, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I... Like, Lady Bird was like the father-daughter. Yeah. Or mother-daughter. Mother. This one's the father-daughter. Yeah, dad. Aw. He's the best. <laughs> yeah. I feel... He just wants to But love. it's... You know, I think like it. Uh, it's tough of a father... Like a father-daughter relationship is something that like isn't talked about a lot, except mm-hmm. for like oh, daddy's little girl. But like the divide that you get when you're growing up, especially like, if the mother's not around, right? But even even so, like I I think it's hard as a girl to like articulate what you're feeling when you're growing up, and like a dad didn't like wasn't a teenage girl. He like mm-hmm. so he it that divide was portrayed maybe, really accurate. Except maybe Bo Burnham. <laughs> sure, it's just. It's crazy that a guy in his 20s made this movie. I know. It's and he understands insane. like every yeah. age group so well. Yeah, exactly. He is able I mean there's amount there's an amount of research done that can help with this, but at the end of the day it just comes down to intelligence and empathy and he's yeah. a genius. He's he's it's outright. A, it's fucking absurd. I can't I don't, wait to see what else he's going to do. Yeah, I'm so excited. I, exactly. I don't I don't care if you like him or not. The fact that he took on this project and it's doing so well at such a young age is remarkable. Mm-hmm. It's and unbelievable. I, I love that he didn't feel the need to put himself in the film. Yeah no he's not in it uh it's not about it's not about it's not like crashing where it's like about a young comedian who goes viral it's not about that at all like it's and like i said i i think the most important thing to take away is that all of the comeuppance all of the resolution at the end is internal for her and with her dad there's no resolution when she goes and gives the big speech 
uh, to her bully, you know, that girl. Yeah. She just walks and she's away. She's staring at the and, floor yes, the whole cr- time. Yeah, she makes no eye contact. She's like, I think you really mean, like, you should play that game. It's like, go fish, but it's way more fun, and you would know that if you weren't a jerk. And then she just walks away. And she smiles. Yeah, and she's happy, even though that was, like, a horribly sp- Nothing like, came out scene. of that. Yeah, exactly. Like, literally. And that's it's, so yeah, true. It almost threw me off, because I was like, whoa, that's the big scene. But then I was like, yeah, that is the big scene, because it's not about everyone around doing, like, a no slow one, clap. We don't need yeah, that. Yeah, no one cares. Yeah, it's, it's fine that she she's a weirdo and it's fine that she's a loser because that's okay that's what the movie's about i really liked when she like dressed nicely like she was like wearing a cute outfit right the the earrings and i was like yeah well because she was she was going on her little her little date also we didn't talk about the fact that they mentioned rick and morty the little bit about it yeah that like jab they're like oh my god you love rick and morty the jab at like young kids like taking over the rick and morty like (laughs) is that a jab i think he really just did research on what kids like and that came up a lot i bet morty keep keep doing the voice morty oh yeah and then she just stops doing the voice that (laughs) felt so that felt too real to me also like the failed bit you know but it feels okay anyway And when he asked like he he like asked if he was doing okay yeah she's like like, am i talking am i like being quiet and then there's like a little bit of a silence and he's like do you believe in God? Yeah, I oh, love it. Oh, I forgot about that. I I think that was the hardest I laughed the yeah. whole movie because yeah. that was that was a, a release. release. Was oh a my release. gosh, that, that yeah. kid was unbelievably funny. And I want to give his, huge the way he moved his arm was yeah spot on. Um, huge huge props to Bo for casting Elsie Fisher, who doesn't. I mean, it's I don't know if it's mean or not, but she doesn't look like a lead and. Yeah, he she's actually just normal. Yeah, it's like you said, and he and like they made a point to show all her acne in every scene, like unless she puts makeup I on, was which like is rare. Seeing the like those close ups, like yeah, it's so real. She's so honestly like this is dumb, but she's so brave to like have been like accepted the fact that she would yeah. be that people would be seeing her unmakeup face on a big screen and her teeth. I kept looking oh, at her yeah, smile. She has a snaggle she tooth has, too. She has like a little snaggle tooth. Yeah, yeah. That she's what? Like she must be like 13 or 14. Uh, yeah, she, maybe a little maybe bit 15 older. At well, this no. Point. I and, I and saw an interview with uh Kimmel where he talks about this. He said that she ended 8th grade and then the next day they started shooting. And then when she started ninth grade, uh she didn't get cast in the school musical because she is not she does not look like a lead oh, but she's no. so so good i'm he, excited for it her was career. funny though because yeah. he, he goes on kimmel and he's like so fuck you mr smith yeah. or whatever <laughs> but it's she is so so good i want to see her act more because she did yeah like it's weird to give kids oscar noms but i would love to i, w- I would love for this movie to get plenty of oscars i hope so I man i don't care it's yeah. so good ladybird got completely shut out last year it was so sad i hope that it's this such a good movie i hope that this gets some love and to kind of to kind of wrap everything up before we um we wrap up the show um earlier we were talking about these 90s films and how they followed a certain blueprint that was set yeah. by a different movie I really think that this movie has the potential to completely change the landscape of coming-of-age movies and adolescent films. Well, I think kind of Lady Bird started that, too, though. Yeah, so between Lady Bird and Eighth Grade, I think we should expect more from these kinds of films and demand movies that are viscerally... Exactly, viscerally honest and and weird and cringy and nerve-wracking and a little bit horrifying and traumatizing yeah, the best exactly. yeah the best movie is a movie that takes you through every single emotion that a human can feel and that's right. that's what this movie did it was really funny when it was trying to be funny aiden shots out bro like <laughs> i thought that kid was hilarious man he's like i can do a handstand yeah <laughs> oh that no that's the other kid like, but the hunky aiden oh, you're see, getting your they're names all named shannon yeah 
<laughs> Shannon. <laughs> um, but yeah, Gabe with the sauces. Yeah, Gabe. Gabe, yes. Gabe was an absolute like fucking stunner, dude. I would date that kid. Are you kidding me? I feel like shout out to my boyfriend Noah. I feel like that's how Noah was when he was in middle school. Nah. He was. <laughs> He like would have. He would have like laid out the sauces. I got got a twenty piece nugget and two fries, and I got every single sauce. Yes! Oh my god! Perfect. Yeah, all the acting in this was incredible. The Rick and Morty. He would have been Rick. Yeah. The the principal was really hamming it up the most out of anyone. Dabs. Yeah. And the teacher like with a diet coke being like, "Shut up, (laughs) guys. I'm serious. Be quiet." (laughs) Yeah. And then there's two different uh, LeBron James references. (laughs) It, it just felt Aiden wears a, a Steph Curry jersey at Yeah one Yeah That's the scene Where you first see yes. him He's wearing a Curry jersey I thought the same thing. With like sliders <laughs> Yeah and the slow-mo Like And it's like Like super The kid who like yells Are you my mom Yeah Yeah it was just so, so many perfect moments. Yeah, this is one of the most organic movies, probably the most organic movie I've ever seen. So many instances of kids just being on their phones. Yeah. Where like 10 years ago, like all those kids would have been like throwing spitballs or something. Yeah. They're all on their phones yeah. at all times. This, this is such a good movie. Yeah. Man. God, I love it. We could talk about it forever. Let's uh, let's wrap it up, yeah, though. Sure. Um, this is it for We Bought a Mic. And you can follow us on social media at We Bought a Mic on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook and email us at webottomike at gmail.com and let us know if you prefer Clueless or 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, next week we have, I think, Christopher Robin. and uh, Really? Yeah. I still have to watch Fallout. Yeah, you can give us your take on Fallout. But thanks for coming on, Kami. You're this welcome. This was awesome. Uh, hopefully we can have you on. Well, yeah, you're, you're I'm moving to Virginia. You're so. going to college, so yeah. you're about to have your Lady Bird moment. I know. Wow. Um, and but we can we can still have you on if you want to call in at one point. <gasps> we can do I'll that for sure. Well, I'll be around, I guess. Yeah. Give us your update on what TV shows you're binging. Uh, anything you want to plug? Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Camilla with one L. No, it's not Camilla with one L. Like it's C A M I L A. Dot. <laughs> dot calderon um and uh that's it you can check out whatever i'm doing on there see my virginia escapades you can try to hack her youtube account to watch uh, her unlisted please please videos. i think it's actually still listed please oh, google camilla calderon hello world period um <laughs> i'm gonna go check that out <laughs> what do you want to plug Drew? <laughs> uh nothing really i'm you know i'm chilling I'm we just... always link your spotify in the show yeah. notes so. i, I want to give shout out to a little city called new york you know new york a lot of people new haven't york. heard of it but i went there and it was pretty cool did you have sabaro yeah my favorite new york pizza place <laughs> i i dude i made so many stupid like the whole time i was there i was like that's a new york pizza bagel right there oh, no. oh. did you did, hey, you, did you eat here. the five dollar pizza from somewhere yeah i ate tons of pizza i ate <laughs> everything dude um but well, yeah, but yeah, that's it. You follow can, me wherever. I don't know. Listen to an old episode. I don't want to say it again. <laughs> follow me at Caldernist on social media, including Letterboxd. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been good, guys. It's been fun. Um, Thanks for having me. You're welcome, Kami. It's been real. I shouted out everyone in the world, yeah. but it's probably the only time I'll be on here for a while, so I had to. Yeah, we'll have you on again. Thanks now for listening. Them. Shout that's out to it. Columbo. We'll be back next week. Bye bye. <laughs>
Let me reach, let me beach for the yellow sea.